it's worth digging out of the closet, putting it on the table and being like, okay, yeah, it still sucks. Welcome to XM1, episode uh, 14 on the 14th. What's going on, everyone? Uh, man, uh, what have you been up to, man? Chilling. Family life. Kids started kindergarten. He's in his second week. Loving it. A little nice. bit anxious. Having some middle-of-the-night wake-ups, but that's okay. Um, works crazy. Hiring some people to make it less crazy. That's cool. And I'm in the process of building 12 crisis suits, which is very exciting. I mean, like big Marge energy right now, holding these dudes being like, I just think they're neat. I'm like, I didn't know they were so pulsable. This is so cool. They're also like, <laughs> they're also like straight up adorable. Like the they commanders, really are. Like, the, the commanders are like threatening. The ghost kills are like cool and high tech. And then you just have the crisis and they're, yeah, they're adorable. Look at these little guys, little cuties. Yeah, uh, you sh you should just for fun. You should get some of the uh, the old ones from like like third or fourth edition, or whatever. Because yeah. they're like slightly smaller, and they're just like they're so yeah. Like, I remember there's yeah. Bobby Robot. Like yeah, they're they're great. I had like I quit 40k completely years ago, and then I was held onto my models for like nostalgia's sake. Finally, I was like I got to get rid of these things. This was like on the eve of eighth edition releasing. I like went to my uh, game store in Brooklyn. I was like, "Hey, can I just give you all of these things? You can have them in for like kids to play with or something." I'm like, yeah, sure. So I handed over like a casual three thousand points of Tau, all my lizard men, like all this stuff. And then like four months later, Eighth Edition came out, and I was like, "Oh, oh, this looks cool. Oh man!" <laughs> so I had to like rebuy it back into the hobby just as just as I like uh, had ditched it. But it was okay. It's cool to see that stuff in store whenever I go back. Yeah. Uh, when I got back into the hobby, um, tail end of seventh, I actually got back in with Tal because as I was getting out of the hobby, um, it was like late third edition. And so the kind of the new kids on the block were like Necrons. Um, I mean, Necrons have been around, but they were starting to get like flushed out, like the, tail, the lore, like the kind <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Um, so they were really cool. And then, but then Tal, and at the time, Tau didn't look like anything in 40k whatsoever. Yeah, it was so had. different. Because you had, you just had, you basically just had power armor, you had demons, you had Tyranids, you had Eldar, and you had orcs. And that was kind of it. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I, and all those early models, um, you couldn't really see like the faces or whatever. So like you had, you had the drone models, and there wasn't really like anything like drones in yeah. 40k at the time, like nothing like that. Then you had the battle suits, and they had like that cool kind of like retro yet futuristic kind of vibe to them. And you had the fire, you know, the fire warriors, you know, which had the mask. But then you had like the crew, which were like you could tell they weren't like the rest of the town, but like yeah. they were something yeah, else yeah, too. It was a different type of Xenos, you know. So it was kind of like, like, is this a faction of robots? Like, do they have like? Like I didn't really know any of the lore, so I was kind of like, "What is this? What's happening here? Whatever." But then, like, I got out of the the hobby, and so I just didn't care because like my life continued on. 
but I always remember like thinking, I was like, man, I was like, man, these are kind of cool, you know? Um, and so when I got back in, I was like, well, I remember these looking cool and now they have newer models. Like, let's try them out. You know, and it ended up, I ended up dropping them like halfway through eighth edition. Cause it just really wasn't my play style, but yeah, I, I, I did enjoy my time with them. I enjoyed my time hobbying with them. I enjoyed my, like my time, like kind of like learning about their lore and everything like that. And they were cool. That's cool. That's also like a, you know, now that you obviously, you got that dog in you. Um, yeah, man. Cool. The that you started out with town, you're like, mm, this isn't my vibe. <laughs> no, I've definitely, I've definitely like learned like faction hopping around. I've definitely like, my heart is always like for chaos. Um, yeah. Just because when I started in, I started collecting in second edition, I started playing in third edition and really the only chaos factions were CSM and demons yeah. And it just kind of, you kind of, there was some stuff that like existed in there. Like Armin existed, Karn the Betrayer existed. Yeah. Um, I don't think Rubric Marines had a model when I started, but they had artwork. So, well, they might have had a model. No, I think they, I think they did have a model, but it was, it was very hard to come by. Like whenever I checked like a local game store, like they never had it. So usually I just took, I just took like regular CSM Marines and I just painted like yellow and blue bands on the horns. I'm like, <laughs> Done. you're a rubric. Um, <laughs> was that the, were you playing in like the heyday? Was it third or fourth edition? That was like, this is the magnum opus of chaos space. Marine Marines. Uh, I think that was fourth or fifth edition. So unfortunately oh, I missed that, but it's fine. I was, I mean, I was young. I didn't know what, like, there wasn't really like events back yeah. then and i was i was doing i was doing like i was getting into like middle school and high school sports so like that was kind of like my competitive outlet anyhow i was mostly yeah. just playing with like friends and stuff like that and i just i mean it was a simpler time i had my army was literally like Karn the betrayer the brand new plastic land raider the brand new plastic corn berserkers i had like two yeah. squads of them i had just a random bloodthirster in there and yeah. And then, like, I think Armin was in there, too, because I had the model, and he looked cool, and he had the option for a disc, but the model didn't come on a disc, and disc didn't exist, so I didn't know what the yeah. disc looked like, so I just grabbed some green stuff, and I made a... I didn't have any tools, so I just made a hand cut, like, kind of made a hand pancake, and took a toothpick and, like, kind of stippled in a smiley face on the front of it, and I was like... Yes! Good, good enough, like... And it fell over all the time because he was metal, you know, and it was, he weighed like a gazillion pounds. But yeah, that was my, it was just a total mishmash of crap. I love it. Yeah, so definitely, good. definitely, it was, it was definitely heavy on the, the corn stuff. Yeah. So, like I said, whenever, when World Eaters came back, I was super excited. When, whenever corn demons or corn anything is viable, I get like super excited. My, all my CK knights are corn themed at least like with their livery and their bat your their rampager skin. looks incredible by the way the progress uh, I can't, I can't I'm, I'm pretty hype about seeing that finished yeah, yeah um i guess a good good segue to what i've oh. done or what i've been doing um most have been taking time to uh to get back and working on my fitness and then doing some hobby stuff um kind of letting the the balance data slate kind of bed in a little bit mm -hmm. um Mostly kind of just taking a step back and just seeing what other people are cooking yeah. uh, a little bit. But I do have some test. I have a uh, test game coming up tomorrow with TJ I'm playing. So I have a, I've just been bouncing around. I've literally just been like throwing kind of CK lists at a wall and seeing what I like, you know, cause you can read it and you're kind of like, uh, this yeah. feels percent off. I don't quite like it. And you just keep doing that over and over again. Eventually you just find something to be like, yes, this, 
This is it. Good. This is the one that I'm going to like spend a couple hours of my life testing. So I think I have one I'm happy with. Um, I'll probably test out the Rampager 2, although I think I have two majors coming up. But unless, mm-hmm. unless, um, I think it'll probably be 12 dogs plus demons, but I really am kind of pulling for the Rampager to impress me um, because I would love to just run him and like 10 dogs and then like oh. not. Um, that'd be fantastic. Um, but yeah, kind of been doing that. Uh, obviously, I went to Nova, uh, had a great Woo. time. Bunch of, met a bunch of the stat check guys. Um, I know, man. So jealous. I missed you, man. But there was like, there was like eight of them or so. Um, yeah. Local. One of my local teammates, uh, Ruben, he he flew up with me, same flight. We split the hotel. Uh, our, the hotel was a little bit further from the venue than I expected. Or I thought it was like two blocks away. It was like 10 or something like that. It was, oh, it was, it was walk a half mile there. <laughs> bro, I mean, it was it, it was on like M Street. So it was like <laughs> it was like down there. Ways out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so when you got to like DuPont Circle, you were like two thirds of the way to the venue. It was like that's how far away we were. That's tough. Um, so it was a little bit of a hike. Um, we so we walked there for like for doing the like dinners and stuff like that. Yeah. But for actually going to the vet, we just Ubered. We're like we're oh, not yeah. walking. We're not walking from M Street to Constitution with yeah cases in hand. Absolutely ludicrous. No, no way. Um, Let's go Taos. Go to Rampagers. Yeah, Alex Taos. Um, but yeah, he, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit. Yeah, Nova. Yeah, no. So we we had we had a great time. Uh, I went I went five and three. Um, and I think two of those games were totally like totally winnable. I just kind of let them slip to my fingers, but that's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, Ruben, I think went, I think he went five and three as well, or he might have gone four and four. It was just he was running orcs because he just he just he's a he's mm. an Eldar main has been an Eldar main for like oh, since fourth hard. edition or he's been playing Eldar since like fourth or fifth edition like and he loves all flavors of elves and dark angels is his other one but he's just like bro he's like they're not they're just not fun and he's been wanting to play orcs since like eighth edition so oh great time. Got, he took most of ninth edition off. He came back for tenth edition, and he just like he jumped. He bought an elder army. He bought an orcs army, and then he's like, well, he's like, I've always wanted to play orcs. I'm gonna do it, and he's been liking them because they're kind of like getting that nice kind of level. Like even before the patch, they were kind of like yeah, a little bit underrated. They had a lot yeah. of play. You just had to dodge custodies. But guess what? He was having a hard time doing at Nova, dodging, dodging custodies because they're like ten percent of the field. Yeah, and if you. And if you play like slightly better than average at all, like you're gonna hit all the custodians players. Just yeah. it's just is how it is. He didn't he didn't um, go with the hard like let me submarine round one and uh see what happens the rest of the way. <laughs> I mean, even if that happens, like you like you put, like, yeah, you, you yeah. if you take a loss round one and then put up two wins, boom, boom, like you are gonna start hitting custodians. It just ha- there's just too many of them, and they yeah. perform they perform better than average. So if you perform better than average, like you're just gonna you're just gonna constantly yeah. just be wading through them. Welcome to the golden wave. Yep. Oh um, my gosh, that brings up an interesting a note for myself. Remember this. It would be really cool to see of records, what is the distribution of factions across records? So like what proportion of three and two people are playing which faction? Like how many people who are four and one are custodians? How many people who are two and three are 
insert whatever. Like that would actually be super interesting. I'm gonna work on it. Yeah, it would be cool to kind of like make, yeah, keep keep that in mind because that would be something we can like add to the to the stat check page or like the yep. metas. Like so that way, like if if you're going to a hundred person major, like based on your win bracket or whatever, like what's what's the area under the curve? Like where are you gonna be like kind of like living? You know, because right. there's there's definitely like a thing you hear people talk about. They're like, oh, I took a loss, so now I don't have to play Eldar for the rest of the event. You know, like <laughs> accurate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, there is, and there, and it's funny enough. We we saw it at Nova. We saw it at a couple other places. It's like it's always like round four, where mm. half the elder players just immediately get eliminated because they all run into each other. Run into right, Jesus Christ! The yeah, they all they all hit the mirror like on round four, just like without fail. So cool, very um, cool game. Quick, quick run through. Um, round one took a loss to Eldar. Not really anything to talk about there. Round two. Uh, played against demons. Um, both my both my demon players were were fantastic opponents. Um, but yeah, my 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 round two opponent, we had such a good game that I beat him, and he still bought me a beer after the game. So I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, winning, double um, win. Well, and then like on my round eight, he came by to kind of check up on how I was doing, and then he said, hey man. Thanks for the game. Had a lot of fun. Had good fun talking to you. Whatever, um, and and he handed me like a drink ticket and said like, "Yo, if you're ever like up in the area, or whatever, hit me up." And by oh, the way, that's like, great, full, man. Let's go for you, Full disclosure: like when I'm like playing at an event, like I don't really bring up stat check or like X and yeah. one or anything like that because like I just it feels it feels weird and icky. Weird. And I don't like yeah. do it. Yeah, like, it just feels so weird. Like when I'm there, I'm like I'm just a dude. Like when people come up and like, like mention the show or whatever, like it's cool. I'm like, yeah, man, thanks. That's awesome. Like it means a lot. You know, I love hearing the feedback and stuff like that. But like, I never like, I never like bring it up. It just feels super weird. So this is just like, this was just like me like playing a game with a guy, and we had like just a great time. And then we went to the bar afterwards, and we were just like shooting the shit, talking about. You know, like FLGs, communities, that kind of stuff. So it was yeah. super chill. Awesome. Um, it was great though because there's I made a few mistakes, but I was kind of able to like keep it under control, kind of wind it in. And then round three, played against demons, and at the time, every single demon player is running like 1,900 points of the same stuff, and then like 100 <laughs> points of flex. So I was like, perfect. So I literally just did the exact same thing I did round two, but I did it better, and I put that game away like. By round three instead Early. of like at the end of round five. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't care how things are improved between that first and that second game. Um, screening, um, mm. closing, committing like target priority, closing out units, you know, like not, I don't want to say I was split firing on purpose, but like it was just kind of like I wasn't being super precise with like my positioning and screening and and like and so it kind of opened up some opportunities for him to like mm -hmm. kind of like jam some stuff up or tag some stuff or whatever um and it forced me to kind of like make awkward concessions with target priority to like get myself out of that a little bit mm -hmm. um so like by round two like by round three um shellaxi was was down um the bird both birds were firing a little bit longer than i liked them to mm. but bellacore and and this was kind of the off meta thing he was doing um he was running a um a keeper of secrets with with the enhancement to heal after it kills stuff 
and that was coming down. That was coming down on his left side, pushing uh-huh. him to my side of the board. Bellacor was in the middle, pushing him to the board, and then he had a unit of crushers um, that were pushing kind of on the top side of the board. And so it was kind of like a little bit of a like a, um, a pincer. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little pincer or like a uh, trident kind of coming into me a little yeah. And like I really wanted to close out the um, the crushers because it was just a small unit. But it was just like I had to deal with the big boys because I took I took bring it down and assassinate. And they were just able to rack up a little bit more points and be a little more annoying than I liked. Um, and I think if I had just kind of like bit that bullet and like pulled back a little bit so that way he couldn't really – connect with the um with the those two monsters i could have basically kept them at bay closed out the crushers and then now i'm fighting on two fronts instead of kind of like fighting on three mm-hmm. um and that and just that type of pressure the fact that it was kind of like fighting it was, it was it's like we were fighting on like my 40 yard line instead of like yeah. fighting on his 40 or 30 yard line and it was just it meant that the it meant that the two birds got to shoot got more activations than I would have preferred them getting. Mm-hmm. So the the next game I did basically did the same exact thing, but he didn't have crushers. I think instead of crushers, he had um neither one of them had a bloodthirster, thankfully. Um, they're both just like they're just like I don't like it as too many points. So I'm like, okay, it would it'd be really good for you. It'd be really good for you in this matchup, you know, but like if you don't want to bring it, that's I'm not gonna argue with you. You know, like <laughs> so it helped it helped me a lot. Um but both of them, I just I, I just pushed super aggressively, and they they were forced to drop Shalaxi in like their own deployment zone, hit like a six inch charge, kill one war dog, and then I put everything within twelve inches of them, and I just forced you to take saves, and every failed save is d six plus four damage. Cool. She's a four up, she's a four up inborn rerolling ones mm-hmm. with the final fill up pain, but you just you just can't take that yeah, type of can't pass that many in a row. It's 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 too many. Um, so literally, it was like I killed, um, and that also that game I like I think I got the Lord of Change like turn one. Just oh. I was on the line, pushed up, and he was like right there. I just zoop, got him. So I just came down, zoop, got him. Bellacore came in, killed killed that guy next, and at that point the game was kind of like over. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. Um, I played. I think that was yeah, it was end of day one. Uh, start of day two, I played Nick from the server. He was playing Tier 2 Monster Mash. We had a great game. Um, yeah, he, we, kinda, we, we, t- we talked about it. Um, he kind of like led with his Tyrannifexes, mm-hmm. um, which uh, let me get into Melta plus four range without really having to like go through or deal with the rest of his army. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was kind of like the thing that started like the fall, like the, the card fall or the domino effect. Um, because when those guys get to activate over and over shooting, overwatch, shooting, overwatch, shooting, overwatch, that, that damage to flamer, like it really adds up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if they, if you keep them back a little bit behind screens, I can't really get in melter range and then just minus one damage. It just takes too long for me to get through them. But because they were right there, I was able to set up for melter range and then like set up for tank shock and melee and everything like that. And then once, once the two terrain effects were down, it was like, at that point, I just, I've been really, I was pretty good about keeping denying his exocrine shooting and like denying angles from like the zone throws and stuff like that. And like once the terrain effects were down, like at that point, I just kind of like stopped respecting his army and I just pushed forward. Just pushed, yeah. Um, 
So that was a really good game. I played Custodes next. Um, he had two tanks, but he had them with the auto cannons. They still hurt because uh, they were lethal hits and they're flat damage three and they're, they're mm-hmm. good shooting. Um, but I, I put a dog in the middle. I baited a charge. He charged with a, a troop brick. And then I just put everything within 12 inches and then set up a stalker for tank shock um, if I needed it. And then I just pumped him full of D6 plus four damage shooting with the exploding sixes. Uh, and then it was like it was like a character and like a wounded custodian left. Stalker yeah. went in, tank tank shock, four, four attacks with the claw, like it was done. Um, yeah. And that's that was generally kind of like my play pattern in the custodies was put something in the middle, do like homers or something like that, beta charge. Mm-hmm. They come in, they're now well, well isolated from the rest of their the army. Pop exploding sixes, go in there and just try to clean it out. You basically trade one dog for um, a brick of ten for the character. Hmm. Um, game t- the next game was actually on stream um, against Custodes player Liam. Um, very nice guy. We we're like we we're having just we we're having a ton of fun, showing each other like pictures of our kids and stuff like that, just kind of bullshitting. <laughs> um, but he had two of the blade champions, which actually makes this much harder because when you try to do that, now you have two guys that can advance and charge, yeah. two can advance charge instead of one. So instead of having like an 18 inch threat range and one unit with a 24, now you have two units with a 24 and it's much yeah. harder. Um, I was trying to bait him on, I was trying to push, like if you watch the stream, I was trying to push like a couple dogs down the bottom to get kind of get some angles on some stuff, get some opportunistic shooting. But then like, I was kind of like, well, that's the first objective that's going to disappear. He's not going to waste time sending stuff down here. He's going to push the center and he's going to push the top because yeah, that's, yeah. where, that's where the objectives disappear in that order. And that's where the meat of my army is. So I just kind of banked on him ignoring or like avoiding that corner because it's not mm-hmm. tactically significant. Um, and then when that happens, then they're going to pivot around, go into his backfield, start storing like homers, engage, and just be unmolested <laughs> the rest of the, the game. Um, spoiler alert, that didn't happen. Um, he came down and he stuck a 12 inch charge, and I was just like, No, (laughs) and then I also, and I was like, I was also, um, being a little overcautious instead of leaving a dog, um, up top to kind of like bait out a charge to pull that big brick I was worried about into the open and shoot it. I just, I just hard pulled away from that objective because I was like, Well, he's just going to move on to it anyhow. Um, but I wasn't really careful with my placement, and so a lot of my guys were not really eligible because they were behind their half on terrain or behind terrain or whatever. And then he rapid ingressed. As soon as he did that, I'm like, oh, I'm so stupid because he rapid ingressed. And then, like, I had like six or seven dogs there, and like three of them were eligible to shoot. Yeah. And I was, and like, between <clears throat> that and it, between that and the 12 inch charge, like, I kind of like, looked at, we weren't mic'd up, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I think that's the game but let's like make a, make a show of it you know like let's let yeah let's make a show of it you know and so we really between that and nick like commentating he made it sound like it was really close but like it wasn't like once those two things happen i'm like all right this is over um <laughs> game seven i played against eldar it was the one where you do the chosen battlefield and i just mm-hmm. deployed the objectives like just like a monkey just like right in the middle and it was kind of funny because it actually because he because he put the objective in my deployment zone first, and he got and he got the first pick because I went like right down the road or whatever. He was forced to put his objective in a spot he didn't want to, um, which kind of helped a little bit. But it was basically like a little zigzag row, like right down the middle yeah. of the table. 
And so it cut the board size basically by like 30%, which, which really helped because I deployed, I like, he was reaching down into his, like into his cart and like telling me what he was putting reserves. And when he stood up, my army was already deployed. Like, we're good. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I guess, I guess I'll deploy my army now. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. then I went first. I, I, you know, pushed up and I was like, do you want to phantasm your Wraith Knight? And he was like, okay. We pulled it back. We verified which war dogs were in range. Yep. I shot like three war dogs at it. I still managed to do like six damage to it, which Ooh. was like, hell yeah. He then went and then he picked up five war dogs that turn. <laughs> and I was kind of like, ah. but. I was like right outside of his deployment zone, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. all his stuff was like in one set of like just in there. Everything was there. Yeah. Um. So I just ignored the raid guard because I don't my arm. The chaos wardog span has a lot of activations, and mm. but it's like it's shooting by committee. Right. You don't have like one big thunderous activation, and that is the worst yeah. type of shooting to put in the wraith guard. Yeah. Because then they're just gonna pick up like a wardog or two. Yeah. That every single time you shoot them, and then it's, it's not you're not doing anything. Yeah. Um. So I pushed in, like I pushed in, I killed, I killed like a Warwalker, I killed a Fire Prism, I killed a like one of his characters because I had indirected it to death the first time. It stood up and then I killed it again. And then I charged the Wraith Knight after doing a bunch of damage to it. Then I charged the Wraith Knight, tank shocked it and killed it. And the next turn he did a bunch of damage. I think I had like four knights left at this point, but he had, you know, that next turn I killed. The other Warwalker, the other uh, Fire Prism, and I killed the Incarn. Yep. Like, wow. And yeah. By yeah, by turn three, I had two dogs. He had ten Wraith Guard, and I had three dogs. I had three dogs. He had ten Wraith Guard, and he had um, some Warp Spiders. And it was just like it looked like we played a full five rounds. And then the rest <laughs> of the time, it was just like it was literally just me, like like trying to like hide, like I was trying to like run like like my last character away and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I won that one like 76 to 71. It was just, it took me having like a lot of good luck on, it was like hot rolling. Yeah. Um, and going first. And the calculator Donna, game front, on yeah. Donna, on Donna <laughs> war with all the objectives in the row. And I won that by five points. So it was like, that's kind of like the level Elder was at. Jesus. Um, the very last game was, um, a guy named Derek. He's from, these two guys, I think, were local to each other. Um, mm -hmm. The first guy running Eldar, he's more like, I think, like a TO or something like that, usually yeah. for like local RTTs, but they're both from Philadelphia. Um, oh, cool. Next guy, Derek. He's from, um, it was uh, 40K Dirtbags, I think. Mm -hmm. um, he, had, he had a big sign with like, you know, like stickers and like dice and everything you go on to buy or whatever. And I was like, oh, cool. I gave him a follow. Um and he was playing Grey Knights, and apparently I looked him up afterwards, and I guess he was, like, the number one, like, Grey Knight player for, like, the last two, you know, two, like, years or whatever. Oh! And he, like, he definitely put on, like, a clinic. Um, we talked, he basically stalled the game, he basically tied up some brigands, stalled the game out, and just, like, kind of, like, just won, like, kind of kept pace the best he could yep. on primary, and then eventually, like, at the very last turn, just pulled ahead on secondaries. Um, so that was a very close game, too. Uh, things that really didn't work in my favor is this is the one there was no objective in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and so it basically you had two objectives that are super far apart from each other. Yeah. Your home objective is worth two. The, the side ones are worth like five or six. No, they're worth five. And the, and the far one is worth six. So I was like, well, I'm realistically, 
only going to be able to be on two objectives and then disrupt the third one. But he's more mobile than I am, you know. And then he also did what I didn't expect him to do is he basically just tried to stay in combat as much as he could um, because it just meant like it was limiting my mobility. Right. And his mobility, his mobility was already better than mine. Also, I just completely forgot about the enhancement that lets that the Grandmaster has where like you target it and it just goes up and just redeploys. Poops. Yep. So it was good because it let me get an objective uncontested. It was bad because I had a bunch of like dogs that are like out of position now. Um, I think if we we had we had some disagreements like on like afterwards when we were kind of de like deconstructing it. He was really locked onto like he thinks I should have like reserved like a brigand or two, and I was like, well, one, oh. I was like, I had a bit going where I just deployed the line every single game, you know. So I got to convince. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I'm not. I'm not sure. I love reserving. I need more reps in the Grey Knights, you know, to kind of like really get yep. the tempo of like how they, when and where they go off the board and back onto the board, you know. But like, I don't love the idea on its on its, on its face of reserving into hyper mobile armies because you know they they, they have hyper mobile screens, you know. So. Yeah. You like open up space Oops. for them to exploit in a way that you don't. Yeah, but anything. he like he 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 insisted that like if some if I had reserved like two or three brigands, I just could have picked like something that would have died or whatever. And I was like, yeah, maybe. But also, I think I think not having a center objective, having two brigands that are up too yeah. close to a wall, they got tagged, and then forgetting about the um, sigil that lets him pick up. I think that was, I think those were bigger factors that he wasn't really paying as much attention to for like the right. reason the game wouldn't did. And it was still a very close game. Yeah. Um. But he was a very good player, and I think we play that. Again, um, that list now probably has like one or two more strike squads in it. So I don't, mm -hmm. I think that, I think even like with my, with increased reps into that, I think his army got better enough where I don't know. I think right. I can still keep it close, but I think he would still win. And you're down a dog yeah. now relative to where you were before. Yeah, exactly. Because my current list is like 12 dogs, um, sticky enhancement, two mm -hmm. units of nerglings and the blue scribes. I'm going to test that. Um, I think there's also play for dropping the sticky enhancement and changing the blue scribes into the changeling because his flamer is awesome. Mm. Um, I really like having a flamer in the uh, in a chaos knight list, yep. and then he forces <clears throat> he forces out of phase battle shock tests. So you can, like for example, the necron brick. You can charge him in. You can charge him in the necron brick. They're they're required to attack them, but they have to now make a battle shock test because they're required to make those mandatory attacks. Oops. They take it to minus one, they fail. No. Oops, now they're no OC. Now they don't get strats, they don't revive, you know. Like yeah. there's it's something I gotta test. Yeah. yeah, that was it. That was not, that was Nova. It was a great time. I always have fun at Nova. It's only a two-hour flight from Fort Lauderdale oh, uh, to Reagan International. So I almost consider it a local event. And that's it. Man. Ah, oh, next time. Even it was my, my child's first, very first uh, week at kindergarten. We did like mm -hmm. a little camping trip, so I was like away, away um, over the weekend. But you know, I'll try to reschedule that camping trip next year and make sure I can make it down. So close. It's like a 90-minute Amtrak ride. There's no reason. Yeah. And it's for anyone who has not gone to Nova but has gone to GW Opens, it's basically it's the blueprint that GW opens were modeled off of. So, mm -hmm. if, and GW has a heavy, heavy, heavy presence at Nova. Um, so if you have ever gone to a GW open and you'd like that experience, um, I highly recommend Nova. Uh, I also really like the new location in Georgetown. Um, before it was in Arlington. 
And it was nice because you just because it's like right across the road from from Reagan. This time, you like you had to take a little. Mm-hmm. I guess you could take a metro, but you just take an Uber for like for like ten or fifteen minutes. But Georgetown is a really is a really cool spot. Um, you're a short Uber ride away from the National Mall. Yeah. Uh, Ruben had never been to DC before, so after mm. day three, um, after day three, we took an Uber down to the National Mall. Uh, we walked to the Capitol Building, walked to the National Mall. I showed him the old because like. I, I grew up in the Northern Virginia area, so I showed him like the old Ferris wheel, like where I used to ride on, like every single oh, summer as a kid, you know. It's under renovation right now. It's like it'll be ready in like 2026 or whatever. I'm like, how long does it take to renovate like, a little <laughs> merry-go-round? <laughs> whatever. Um, took it on the Washington Monument. Uh, we took a slight detour after going up to the White House and we went over to Old Ebbett Grill, which is like one of my favorite spots in DC uh, for, for food and drink. Uh, then we went to the Lincoln Memorial. And then I showed him across the water where Jefferson Memorial. I'm like, do you really want to go over there? And he's like, no, it's, I'm fine looking at it from over here. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's over there. <laughs> like, they put it so far away. Oh um, and then we got over back to we got over back to the hotel. We went to sleep like super early, um, like 9 p.m. or something, like that, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Because we were we were just exhausted from the week. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's gone wild. And then, and then we, and then we, <laughs> yeah, then we flew, we flew back. We flew back on on Monday morning. Like I said, it's just two hour straight yeah. shot flight. So we were just eating breakfast in DC, eating lunch in Fort Lauderdale. That's awesome. Yeah, I can see Nova being like, if you're trying to go and get some more competitive games with like a wide array of people, but then you like hit day two or even day three, and you're like, I kind of just want to see what's going on in the city. Like, what a great place to just get out and like. Get some museums up, hit up some memorials, get some great food. It's just a good idea. Yeah. It's it also really like, like casual number of games per day. It's yeah, it's it's three three two. Yeah. So if you can day two can get a little bit tiring, but like day three is real relaxed because you're only doing two games. Yeah. Um so it's also nice, like I recommend it as well. Like if you maybe don't get or like one of those people who like struggles to get time for games. If you can just get the whole weekend, that's eight games. Yeah. You know, a typical a typical multi day event is like five. So if you can, it's if you can if you want to work on your like yeah. stamina or if you have the stamina or whatever, yeah, like that is that is a real good like. If you are not sure about a, about a list or like something like that, you go do an eight round event. You will one hundred percent know like what's on the cutting board and what's not. Yeah. After that event is over. Yeah. Like you'll be like, I like this, I like this, this I didn't like, this surprised me, so on and so forth. Awesome. So speaking of any one surprises about your list coming out of those games, and then two disappointments about your list coming out of those games. And how um, does that translate no to meta? No real disappointments. Uh at the GT beforehand, I um realized that I really like fixed. More than mm. tactical, um, for chaos list in general, but like especially CK, because you just kind of run into the scenario where, uh, you get like turn one, you pull like capture enemy outpost and then like something else, and you're kind of like, great, just cool. great, awesome. I'm not discard CP. Um, <laughs> let's say, and then like round two, like let's say you get like something else that's crap, like assassinate and like assassinate. But like their characters are all in the back, and you get like bring it down, but they have no vehicles. You're like, okay, great, discard. 
Um, and then round three, you pull homers and investigate signals. And you're kind of like, okay, well, this is the go turn. I can't really, aff- I can't really afford to have two to five dogs just doing actions yeah. all over the board. But there's pressure to do it because you've you've put nothing on the scoreboard for the last two rounds. Right. Um, so I have found that generally just um, taking some combo of engage, kill secondary if they give it, um, homers or cleanse. Don't do homers and cleanse. That's too much. Do homers or cleanse and then combo with like engage or like a kill secondary or something like that. And then you just kind of take what you can. Like if you if you are dominating the game, then like now you can afford to have a dog like sit out every turn and do homers. Mm-hmm. If it's like a little more neck and neck, it's like you do homers turn one, you maybe do it turn two, turn three, you have all hands on deck. And then like as the game kind of turns the corner, then you just like you try to like maybe do it like turn four or five. Or even if you only do it like three three turns out of the game, that's still fine. That's nine points. That's acceptable. Or it's um or it can be, you know, a little bit higher than that if you manage to get someone in their in their deployment zone. The deployment zone flip does happen sometimes. You are mobile enough. Um, engage that army just naturally gets engaged. Um, and then, like, if you can't, sometimes like it's hard. This is the hardest part to judge. Like, sometimes you don't want to do homers. Sometimes you'd rather just do cleanse. Like, if you're gonna have a stare off and it's gonna be like I'm on these two objectives, you're on those two objectives, and maybe there's not like there's not an objective in the center. So you're not like double dipping on like putting a dog in the center. Then like at that point, you just have one guy go up top and just cleanse, 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 cleanse while he's just not doing anything. Um, That's been working well because yes, you are kind of like doing actions. Yes, you're scoring a little bit less from tactical, but you are focusing so much on your primary play because dogs should really be OC5. They really shouldn't be OC8. They should be OC5. Yeah. But they are OC8. So you just focus on playing primary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you and then you kill them, and if you're just killing their units fast enough, um, it becomes untenable for them to do secondaries because they're they're having to reach deep in the damage banks to push you off of them, you know. Yeah. So yeah. like, I don't like leaving wounded units because units with one or two guys left, those are the ones that run off and go do tactical secondaries yeah, or something like that. So like, any potential. So I I I try to just close out units ASAP. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, we when when their unit when their army is reduced from like eight units to five, and it's only like bottom of turn two, it gets really 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 hard for them to do the tacticals. And that's where that's where you make up for the fact that you're doing fixed is you're disrupting their secondary plan. Yep, yep. Not to mention all the primary disruption, even the OCA and the number of yep. bodies you got running around. It's just um, surprise surprises. I take back everything I've ever said bad about Huntsman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> re-rolling re-rolling ones for damage and wounds is really good um yeah. and if i didn't have that i probably would have failed a couple conversions i i definitely would have failed a couple conversions on that older game and i would have lost that game yeah because uh, there was there was a handful of times where like really clutch moments like like it's got to happen here i need i need this to happen and i hit a one and i just pick it right up and i i roll it into like a five or a six or something like that and it happened multiple times yes. in the, the damage roll so yes yeah, like over the course of like two very aggressive go turns. So I distinctly remember it happening a couple of times. And I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, it feels a little bit weird because in melee, they don't have a damage roll to use it on. So you're kind of like, yeah. eh, this fits weird. But, you know, still having a melee, though, hitting on 
winning most stuff on like threes or fours. Yeah, or ones. It, was, it was nice, but but on the thermal, it felt great. It felt so yeah. good. Yeah, anything to smooth out the variance, man. Good lord, there's so much value. Yeah. And I think I think post data slate, I think we're going to see more vehicles, not less. Oh yeah, I think people are like catching on to the like, oh, if I present this like nesting doll of <laughs> transport yeah. plus unit plus character and throw it on a bunch of objectives and dare you to do something about it. Most most armies don't bring enough stuff to do something about it out in mass. For sure. Yeah, we and like there was some questions. I was previewing some of the questions and it's a term um, that kind of got coined by the main show. It's called activation locking. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's very helpful there. Um, Activation locking being like, okay, well, if you have, you know, if your opponent has five units presented to you, like the most there's no terrain, there's five units, and then you have, actually, for the sake of simplicity for direct comparison, let's say it's three units. The opponent has three units. They're just three units like troops or whatever. They're in the open, and then you have three units. You can literally just have one unit shoot at one unit. No drama, you know? Um but now let's say they have three units, but one unit is a um, a transport. One unit is a um, something that goes inside of transport. The third unit is something like either an attached character or like a, a character that gets loan operative when it's within X inches of another unit. Yeah. Well, now you can only shoot the transport. When the transport dies... You can only shoot the unit that spills out of transport. Yep. And only when that's dead can you shoot the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you have, if you can stress angles, if you can sprinkle in a um, defensive strat or two or something like that, you know, like, or when you disembark, if you can like grab some cover. Um, now your opponent very much like is like, they're, they're stressing their ability to do math on top of their head. And then the game is, it is a dice game. So they also have to like, overcommit a little bit you know and if you do that enough times and if you do that with enough msu you're going to start having like one or two units live more than they're supposed to every single turn because they're now overkilling units you know because they can't risk underkilling them because if they underkill it nothing they don't accomplish anything um so yeah i think we're going to see a lot more to that it's going to be people are going to get frustrated pretty fast i think (laughs) yeah we we saw that archetype in eighth and ninth edition um It feels like lists are a little bit smaller in 10th edition, so we haven't seen it as much. But like now, like points changes and the game evolving a little bit, I think we'll like to see it come back a little bit. Yeah, I'm excited uh, about what, it. I think it'll look, it'll yeah, lead man. to like sort of cinematic looking games and like sort of make people think a bit more tactically, maybe not as strategic, but certainly going to be some difficult decisions with target priority and movement. For sure, given that shift, it'll be cool. Tower any, uh, nasty. I'm just. Tower. Yeah. Speaking of your town, do you have anything coming up, like RTTs or events or anything like that? Uh, yeah, got no, RTT coming up at the end of this month, um, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, on the 30th, I'm trying to get these tower ready for it. If the tower not ready for it, I'm just gonna go in with knights and like see what I can do with this uh, <laughs> army that got punted so hard by GW in the data slate. We'll see. I don't even I don't even really play IK that much, but I I think. I think that bondsman nerf was a step too far. That was uh, it, so tough. Like I think, I think so. I think if they needed to, if they were going to hit the points, if they were going to hit the towering, um, hit the dev wounds and all that kind of other stuff, 
if they felt that all those weren't enough for knights and they just wanted to be sure, you know, and I think they were, I think they were kind of airing on the side of caution because it's the first time you've ever been able to hide a big knight. So I think they were mm-hmm. kind of airing on the side of caution. I also think that's why they didn't roll back the cost on a lot of the CK knights. Yeah. Because they just, because you can hide them now, you know, yeah. so you got to be a little bit careful. But I think the, I think they should have gone after the oath system um, and tweaked the numbers there a little bit. And like, if they were trying to just bring the math down a tiny bit rather than just wholesale hitting those. Because that's like what made that was the mechanic. Yeah, felt it felt Mm -hmm. good. I think what's what's interesting about that, what I think leads me to believe that they've got fairly different teams looking at looking across different factions. That that underlying logic where you're thinking, oh, we made a bunch of changes to the core rules. Let's like do what we like. I don't know. There seems like be there was an overemphasis and sort of like a lack of consideration consideration about how the core rules interaction changes would affect knights. And when you apply those same rules to Eldar, it was like literally say, stated out loud, yeah, we didn't want to overdo it on Eldar potentially because um, of all the core rules changes. So it's just like we're, we're, there was some sort of divergence in the consideration of how impactful those changes were going to be. But it's right. It's fine. Run around the field, no pain. It'll be okay. I'll hope our Olsen dies well. Or maybe I'll just get this um, these Tau hobbied up in time and like run around with two by six crisis suit squads and a couple of devilfish with math enraging creature squads inside. Yeah, I think I like breaches a lot. Um, I was kind of just randomly just playing around the app and then um, and looking at towel list and I kind of settled on um, I think it was three ghost kills, two units of crisis, two cold stars, shadow sun, onva, and then the rest of the points was just like stuff like hounds and just random stuff, like Vespid yeah. hounds. Oh, and like uh, the it's, mandatory, like t- the mandatory two or three units of uh, Tetras. Tetras, yeah. Um, yeah. That felt that looks pretty scary on paper. Yeah. So the double, the breacher stuff is crazy because you can throw like throw these dudes in, um, and you can like quite easily. I mean, typically, if you want to go for output, you like throw one of the uh, fireblade dudes in there, but like throwing an ethereal in. Just for access to a little bit more durability, they have the baseline minus one to wound. Like to your point earlier about just like causing people to overcommit in a way that's frustrating. It'd be pretty annoying to have to throw like real medium strength damage yeah, at a creature squad. You're like, what am I doing right now? Yeah, it gets super annoying. Like I I've seen it before too. Like when you have like a breacher squad that's like in cover and you're shooting like stuff like strength five AP zero havoc launchers into them and like. You're just not getting through it anywhere near the way you're supposed to, and you're like, and now you're just like, and so your first act, your first turn where you get to shoot into these guys like yeah. doesn't do anything because you didn't yeah. really, you weren't really like, prepared for the math. And the next turn, like now you're having to put like AP two strength six chain cannons into them, and you're just kind of like, okay, fine, you assholes, get out of here, you know? Like, <laughs> but they get now they get like another activation yeah, because right. you under you go undercommitted that first turn. You're like, fuck, you know? Yeah. Because you know you don't really think about it. You're like, oh. Fire warriors or fire like warriors warriors you're like, blah, blah, you're blah, like blah, yeah, D six blast strength five damage one perfect here you and you don't even think about it and yeah. then next thing you know like you shoot like ten havoc launchers you killed like two dudes you're, yeah. just, like, you're like how did that happen we're like well you're minus yeah. one moon oh, I got a three up uh, also there's like a yeah yeah no I think that's I think that's good um, yeah we'll see so I for me upcoming um, I'm 
basically just trying to keep the momentum of like the last three events I've been to, which is War Masters, uh, Salt Classic GT, and then now Nova. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to just keep that momentum going. Uh, like I said, I'm going to test Rampagers and like see if a Rampagers worth doing it. But that yes. list is going to, it is going to fundamentally play different than my current list. So it would yeah. almost be like a slight rep reset. Um, I'm also, I've, it, in the Discord channel, you've probably been noticing I've been getting more active about World Eaters and hobbing them up um, because I played World Eaters a bunch in Ninth Edition. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of like, with the exception of some of my characters, they were all like mostly just three color bare minimum. And then when 10th came out, I didn't like what World Eaters were doing. So obviously they yeah. just went on the shelf. Now I've actually been like painting the trim, getting them ready. And I think when I'm not preparing for these next two events, I'm going to begin reps with the World Eaters because Anthony made a list that basically feels like it basically feels like the world leaders version of ninth edition Tricari, and I'm I am here for that. Um, it's just <laughs> it's just like it's like 20 Zerkers, 18 8 bound, two rhinos, invocatus, two masters of execution, and Karn. Cool and that fast. like and Karn looks Karn looks great yeah. this Karn looks great this edition. So yeah. like I'm so excited to put that man on the table because he's damaged three, he's got I mean he's He's only strength six, strength seven on the charge, you know, but like re-rolls once to hit and wound. He right. fights on death for free. Like he's got some, he's got some good stuff going on. Probably the right yeah. target he's going to like do. He will do what he is supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it. But yeah, it, it Anthony and I were talking about it and it plays, <laughs> it plays very much like uh, Dark Eldar where it's kind of like they, they push with the grotesques initially. In this yeah. case, the grotesques are the eight bound. Yeah. And then whatever you answer that with, then the, the positioned rhinos, characters, observers spill out of those. And basically the characters then go into whatever you were trying to clear the grotesque with. Um, and you can make a master of execution that like kills God because he's he's like seven plus D3 attacks on the charge at like strength. No. At like strength, at like strength nine, like damage, damage is two plus D3, yeah. but it's an enhancement, so it's not every attack is two plus D three. It's he's always plus one damage, yeah. but when he charges, you roll D three and you add that to the damage. Now every attack is that, so he's like anywhere from damage three to damage five. His <laughs> devastating wounds. Uh, if he's going into a character unit, which he, spoiler alert, he will be. He's he now rerolls hits and wounds. He has access to like I think sustained hits, lethal hits, plus one to wound. You know, like the whole army can advance to charge with access to plus two inch move, yeah. disembark from rhinos, automatically advance six inches. Like it's, it's my type of army. I'm, Truly, I'm he is a master of execution. Yes. <laughs> so I took I took uh, I took two of the Sigmar corn models and then I converted them. I, I put like forty k bits on them. Oh yeah. Uh, so I have those things are badass. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I want one more. It's the bringer of destruction or whatever it's to do with the huge axe and like the horns yeah i don't know i forgot what it's called but like he has like a master of execution like style axe so i want to make one more and convert it but um yeah the first one i put a lacerator on his arm and then i chopped off the head i carved into the neck a little bit and then i put a berserker helmet on the other one because these guys are huge they're like the size of eight pound a little bit bigger the other one i um left the head off and I took a spare eight bound head because the kit comes with six heads, but three bodies. So you have spares. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put a spare head on and then I took green stuff 
And then I, I basically made a mullet slash dreadlocks for the, um, the nails. Sick. And I kind of like, I kind of like molded the cabling in and everything. It's like to make it clear that he's like a world eater. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Do you know about the dude? So like, I, I picked these guys up and remember that Gore chosen board game a while back. This is like years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like hobbing them up. There's a guy swinging an enormous like hammer mace on a chain. Um, and it's just one of the coolest looking sort of corn models I think they've put out. I'll, I'll at some point I'll find this thing and send it to you, but I think you'd have a ball using that as a that'd be sweet, yeah. Oh, and I also picked up the um I have no idea what the name is, but it's like a Sigmar like it's like a Sigmar corn like ritualist or cultist, or whatever. She's wearing a mask, very very oh, like yeah, yeah. one of the war yeah, it's very much like witch doctor human sacrifice kind of vibes, whatever. But basically because I built the jackals in ninth edition mm -hmm. and there was not a reason to build the icon because it cost yeah. points. Yeah. Now you just get it for free and it lets you re-roll dice for your blessings. I'm like, All right, you know, yeah. like so I just so I just grabbed her and I'm just kinda and she's been fun to paint too. I'm not quite done with her yet. But she's like I'm like, well, she's got she's covered in skulls. She's roughly <laughs> human sized. Done. I snipped off I snipped off her staff, like the top of the staff, and I, you know, I saved all my world eaters spruce. And so I found the jackal icon and I just and I put yes. it, I put it on there. So she's got the icon and everything like that, you know, and she's but she's also like stepping on like a not a pedestal. I'm sure there's a name for it, but like when they did back when they did like human sacrifices or whatever, like that, like whatever the oh, altar yeah. or whatever it is that they that they do on it, and there's like little channels and grooves to catch the blood or whatever, oh. like that's there. And I'm like, man, I was like. Later on, I'm gonna take like a little like I'm gonna take like a guardsman or something like that. I'm gonna like chop him up and just just put like blood all over this, and it's gonna be like completely over the top. That's cool. sick. But there'll be no question who my jackal icon is because <laughs> like the mom, she's super tall, like because she's standing, yeah. she's literally standing on this huge altar. So, so um, um, yeah, I'm. I think I'm still gonna run CK. I have Crucible coming up in at the end of the month, so that's like two, three weekends from now. Um, that's a cool event because it's six rounds, but it's two rounds per day. So you're always fresh. Um, but the idea is that it's during Halloween horror nights at universal. And so everyone was always bringing their families. Oh yeah. You were talking and, about that. like a perfect yeah, so, family to show up to. Yeah, exactly. So a lot of people bring their families. So they, they kind of like two or three years ago, they pivoted to doing two rounds a day. So that way they can get out of there early. Everyone's fresh. Everyone's happy. And like, now you can go do Halloween horror nights, you know, do Disney or stuff like that. Um, so I'm excited for that. And then halfway in October, like it's like the weekend of like October 12th or 13th, I'm going to do GW Tampa. Um, Sweet. And then I think that's, I think that's really all I had planned. I might try to, might try to come up with like the, the narrative or something like that. Maybe. Maybe. Might. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I might, I might try to do that. Um, but I'm, I really just want to see like I'm on the stat check ELO page, like when you export it, you can sort it by your faction. Yeah. And I think I'm like number, I don't know, like eight or something, nine, something like that for um for Chaos Knights Elo. So I'm trying to see if I can bump into like top five. Because yes. top five is when you start getting into like the the like sub two hundred overall. Yeah, yeah. Um and the community's gotten so much better. So I mean it's it's a big ask, but I think you know, I've I jumped up like nine hundred points over the last month with like two or three events. So I think if I do well at Crucible in Tampa, it's possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, there's like 
some of that one functions that like you're a very good player and then two just a function of the population yeah. being large <laughs> you're hilarious uh to the fun function of the um so many people just like aren't there hasn't been enough time in 10th edition for people to get a whole bunch of like different games in so it's just like a lot, yeah. a lot of opportunity to go up I'm go up in rankings now i also like i think like the last like year or two off like realistically mm -hmm. um and i think the data is from back in like february 2022 so, so back in a yeah yeah so if i've been if i've been able to make like that big of a jump like so quickly like i'm i'm excited like when i was looking at it, i was like oh this is like doable and to yeah. me it means more than like it means more than itc rankings because like you can just farm rtts if you if yeah. you can like if you go to a place that regularly has like 30 person rtts and you just podium those over and over again you will get like a super high itc ranking yeah. and it just doesn't mean as much to me yeah it's whereas, whereas the elo you get rewarded for traveling and cross-pollinating with other players with like high elo and stuff like that exactly so I, I yeah. really beating, beating a player with a higher elo than you is quite valuable versus just farming the same people who you know you're out competing generally speaking all the time exactly yeah. uh cliff we are just shy of the hour mark um do you want to roll into questions let's roll to questions close it out in this yeah, half hour if you can't tell, we really didn't have anything to talk about this episode. So, like, I just wanted Listen, to kind of shoot the shit. That was great. Excited uh, to I think hear about the dogs, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah, I mean, I think everyone has, has just, you know, I think the market is super saturated on, like, data slate takes, you know. <laughs> so we're seeing, we're definitely seeing some of those things play out. But I think at this point, like, there's, there's a lot of content. There's content on this channel if you want, like, data slate takes and stuff like that. Yeah, we did our own. And, we did our own. You can catch Art of War. Like everyone has them. You can't like if you like your if you call your grandmother. Which by the way, when's the last time you called your mom or your grandmother? You call her. Like she'll have hot takes on the data slate. Like everyone. <laughs> Wall Street Journal front page, data slate. You know, like you, you just can't avoid it at this point. So I think we're at the point where we just now need to see if like people's <laughs> predictions yeah. play because there's always going to be like there's always going to be one thing that got over predicted and one thing that got like under predicted. Yeah. You know, for example, like everyone's worried about Necrons and like, yeah, I think that might be a very real worry. And it's just hypothetical, but like we could find out two months from now that like the Necron thing, like never really materialized. And then there's this like other faction that no one was really talking about, you know, and then all of a sudden like that ends up becoming like a big thing. So it happens every single time. Hot takes that along those lines and then I'll stop talking about it. I really do think people are missing out on Tau and it might be a function of the player base, but like. The book that yeah that rule set just feels ridiculous right now like you're building lists and you're like why do i have points left seems I cheat like what am i doing um i'm then, yeah. yeah i'm a, i'm a little bit i'm a little bit biased because um our our local team miami dice is generically pretty on it um i think a lot of us well a lot of us have been playing for a long time competitively but like a lot of us own like a lot of the older crew the guys who are like 40 and up or whatever mm -hmm have like five six seven armies that they can play stuff like that like where they have the collections you know so like they're no strangers to bouncing around you know we don't we don't have too many like one tricks in our team and a lot of them are talking about tau um stat check a lot of people are talking in uh stat check about tau yeah um there is a discord um which will remain nameless but it's uh it's a lot of um like high level players and content creators and it's kind of like a little like safe space where you can like talk about ideas like but like with low noise and then like 
you can kind of like kind of like let your hair down without having to have like that forward facing kind of public face whatever and there's been a lot of good like discord calls and talking back and forth and in that one as well and a lot of them are talking about Tao. Mm-hmm. lots of and csm talk so i think those are i think people are i think people are also starting to catch on the ck like actually looks pretty poised as well yeah. um and orcs as well so a lot of csm Tau, um ck and orcs yeah. i think those are i think those are definitely like dark horses to watch yeah. Uh, okay, so show questions, the thread, and then we're going to go through these first, and then I will go through the chat. And very last priority, I will look for people who can't follow instructions and post it in the main thread, <laughs> because there is like a four-hour long conversation about like the greatest athlete of all time, which was very <laughs> enjoyable to read, but it's going it, to, like, questions are just going to get lost in there. Yeah. Um, let's see. From Dick, I want to make top cut from for LGT. Should I bring CK or should I bring Krons? First glance says Krons, but I'm pretty sure everyone is gunning for them, leaving CK in a good position. Um, I would kind of, if those are your only two choices, I would kind of agree with that. Um, I think part of it would also, Dick is a, uh, has been a kind of a, on the cutting edge of Necrons for a long time. Um, so... I would say normally, like if it was anyone else, I would be like, well, do you want to be just another Kron player? Like if they make up like 8% of the meta, like, yeah, maybe you bring the most optimized list. But like at this point, do you want to be the guy where like by the time someone pairs into you, they've already paired into Necrons twice before and they've been prepping with Necrons and now they have like five, six, seven reps, like real reps into necrons by the time they hit you like their game plan is super optimized you know mm-hmm. or do you want to be or you want to kind of catch out people out a little bit like where everyone's going for necrons everyone's going for high volume and then you just show up with a bunch of like t10 bodies you know that's hyper mobile like that's and by the way i think i think ck i think the field just got massively better for them um yeah i'm a little i'm a little bit biased so I'll admit that here, like that's kind of what I'm pulling towards CK. But like again, I think, I think you're kind of you're picking up the set a little bit that people are going to be getting for Krons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really going to come down to you, like which one you have. I think you have more reps for for. But I think, I think for top for top table at LGT, you have to you have to score massively because I think they still have the format where they they do the top cut, but it's yeah, points better top cut. So you have to you have to have like massive scoring, which I think is a point for Krons probably um because if you if you play like ck you're it's gonna it's gonna be like scoring a lot of like 86 to 90 like two kind of like things you're not really gonna be not every game is gonna be 100 at least not the close ones but like crons you could actually like start putting up like those hundreds with consistency so i'm leaning towards ck a little bit just because i think you know you're zagging where everyone else is zigging and i think that's worth something at that level um, but I think it's really going to come down to like what you have more reps with, especially because they like said Dick is has been at the cutting edge for Krons for a long time. Right. And that's definitely worth something. So Dick, sorry if that doesn't really give you a solid answer. You know, I think if they, to to further muddy the waters, I think one, given your expertise, Dick, it's possible that you find you find a zig within the Necron Codex, another no nobody else has caught on to yet. Um, get reps with that and roll in. Would be interesting to have somebody like there's a typical wow warrior bricks this sucks what do i do 
I'm getting swarmed on primary blah 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 list that people might be expecting, but you go in there with something that's like a little more offensively oriented. Um, the more MSU, blah blah blah. You're like, oh wait, that's not how Macrons are supposed to play. My army isn't built to deal with that. You're like, sure isn't. Yep. This is a 94 now. Thank you. I think there also could be some some magic in building a Necron list that like literally is just designed for the mirror. Um, mm. I don't know historically in the UK scene how popular Necrons are. Um, over here in the US, they they feel like a half step behind custodies. Like when they are good, yeah. they're like 10% of the meta and they gain like a half percent every single week that they're good is what mm. it feels like. Um, and that's, that, I think a big part of that is because a lot of people onboarded in ninth edition um, <laughs> stuck in the pandemic and that uh indominus box that got a lot of people jump started in the necron yeah, it was a steal. uh next question on an unrelated note what type of fast food should i get first in atlanta hmm honey pepper wings <laughs> yeah that's kind of what i'm leaning like i'm trying I'm, I'm, just, pepper wings. I'm drawing a blank i was drawing a blank there's um there's those spicy wings from Nashville that I love. Um, I'm trying to think if they if they if they offer them that far down in Atlanta. That's, you don't want lemon pepper wings from a certain establishment. You'll figure it out. Google it. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer, I'm gonna defer to uh, Cliff here. I haven't been in Atlanta since like last time I was in Atlanta proper was like 2020, um, and we mostly just stuck to places that are by the venue. But there's a lot of good food in that city. Fun city. Yeah. Uh, we call that fast food, but don't don't get fast food. Get real food. Get real food. Yeah. Uh, from Tom H, is Big Boy Time worse off because of towering changes or everyone's newfound love of activation locking? Uh, it depends what type of Big Boy Time you're yeah. thinking about. Uh, if you're talking about like big nights, um, IK got strictly worse. There's just no way around yeah. it. But if you are super hard committed to IK, I think you could run Canis and then some Imperial Agents, and then you divide the rest of your points by Armagers. And that and that list will have enough activations to get around activation locking. And I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. And the best way to be activation locking is to have lots of activations. So because that lets you because you're not you're committing smaller chunks of your shooting every single time so you mm -hmm. you basically get to like dole out a little bit of shooting evaluate dole out a little bit of shooting evaluate dole out of shooting so you don't like you're never really over committing because you're just you're, you're doing shooting by committee um if if ik list drop two big guys and replace every every big guy they drop they replace it with like three armagers that's a lot that's you're literally getting two extra activations per big guy you drop so that list would have four extra activations uh, than the IK list that people were running a month ago. So that would help a lot there. Um, for CK, CK didn't shoot that hard anyhow. Um, and it was generally, they would have preferred to be able to hide because most of the metal lists that they were going into, with the exception of Custodes, shot harder than CK did. So, like, getting shot by Oath of Moments Marines sucked. Getting shot by Eldar sucked. Getting shot by IK sucked. Um, even even like stuff like Advic, like it, it was like it was terrible to get shot. Yeah, stuff. it's a net improvement um, for sure. So being able to hide net improvement, even if you don't run the rampager, who I think is super pushed on points, um, 
God, if he was like 60 points less, I would actually probably mess around with the despoiler with the Gatling cannon and then like a melee weapon. Um just because that's a good that's a good gun. He's good at melee too. I think that that's good. Uh you just don't go double gun, you go gun plus melee. He's 470 though, so I'm not I'm not really about it. Yeah. Um, but I do like the spoiler because he is the only big knight that has an indirect gun, um, which I think is really nice. Um, so I think generally a side grade i think the fact that like the big boy time a lot of it is just it's high toughness and high wounds and if your opponent isn't getting to do chip damage for free in the early rounds of the game before you can get into your engagement ranges um that's net better for you in my opinion Mm. um especially if you go second if you go second and your opponent's kind of like okay great like you're everything's behind a wall like the only thing they can do is try to score points and then move closer to you. Like that's that's good for you. Uh, da, da. from uh, old man Rickard with both WTC being done and the data slate being present, there's a chance for new lists. How are you both approaching uh, lab quote season, aka lab quote season in all caps in terms of time spent thinking about new list ideas, games at the table? Um, well. Last weekend, there was only one event that ran the data slate. So there's not really any data to pull from, like crowdsource wise. So, yeah, there's nothing, there's literally nothing better to do this week than, you know, find the buzz, find what other people are buzzing about, like trying to pull like some of those ideas, trying to look for new stuff, look at everything with a fresh set of eyes and get some games on tables. Normally, I don't recommend that for people who are challenged on time um, because it's just, if you're just trying to get to the end result, of getting a good list submitted and locked in so you can you know focus on learning your reps and getting ready for the event i always recommend just pulling something that's a proven concept from online but right now there are no proven concepts online we have one gt that was like 30 people and when i did a glance through like two or three of the high placing lists like their points were wrong anyhow like the top placing ck list was 60 <laughs> points over so like it's already you can't even you can't even really draw like full conclusions from that um so yes Right now, there's no data to pull from. Everything's in the open. Everything needs a fresh set of eyes. So if you enjoy innovating and playtesting, whatever, you are not wasting your time to do it right now because there's nothing better to be doing with your time. So enjoy it. Go out, playtest, try to like try to uncover new things, look for new combos, look at synergies, stuff that was people's hot takes from three months ago don't really apply anymore. So if someone just said, yeah, so if someone said something was bad three months ago, like that's that was then this is now like it may still be bad you know but it's worth digging out of the closet putting on the table and being like okay yeah it still sucks or being like oh maybe you know there's something there yeah so even sort yeah go ahead Tim no 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 I was it I was done yeah it's like an interesting um because of all the points changes it it can be really challenging to point changes forcibly cause you to reevaluate, but it can be challenging to reevaluate given the last three months and like whatever experience you've got carried over from the previous edition where you're like, I don't know, like, are these dreadnoughts good? And you're like, Space Marine dreadnoughts are pretty, pretty heavily discounted right now. And like, you know, Redemptors running around with minus one damage is like, that's pretty good baseline. And then depending on the chapter you throw them in, like, you can get pretty interesting really fast. And then there's just other stuff going on, like, 
Vanguard organism, so. here it is, play around with that, like Talus, play around with that. I'm like looking at like triple monolith again, but like not not meaning, like just being like, oh, these are like legit pretty heavily discounted and very difficult to, to like deal with uh, durability wise. I don't know, it's just like a lot of room to innovate. You just have to open up your mind and push away people who are automatically critiquing things without any experience. Yeah, a lot of times when people talk, like they, they don't really mean it, but like they'll kind of like it'll it'll seem like they're trying to like shut you down, like at theory. And it's like I, you don't need to if you're just telling people what you're looking at, you don't need to have a finished proof of concept before you yeah. share. You can just be like, "Well, I'm looking at this. The theory says there out. might be some play here. There might be something here. Mm-hmm. Test it out." You know, unfortunately, due to the linear flow of time, you can only test that. You only have enough time to test out so many things. You know, unless you do heavy proxying and re-rack sessions, and you have like a group of people. You know, that's what Team USA was doing in Sean Dan's basement. It was a lot of proxying, a lot of like, "Hey, we played two rounds." Okay, we know where this is going. We've seen what we need to see. We don't need to play this conclusion. Re-rack, swap out three units, play it again. You know, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, like I think I think Marines are getting you mentioned Marines. I think Marines, especially redemptors, are getting slept on. Um I like the whatever the the gun dreadnought is. I like that guy. The, the also yeah. the I like him, the Brutalis, I like I like that guy. Um I think those guys they're they're both two up saves, right? They're both two ups, yeah. And they're they're both two ups. They're, mi- they're minus one damage. Um, I don't know whether the the, the the ballistas might not be minus one damage. I don't know. I would have to double check. I know the Redemptor is. Yeah, I, I just assumed all the Redemptor ones are minus one damage, but you might be right. I don't know. But I think those are good. I think Marines were already kind of like right there anyhow. I think they were just – I think they were just kind of just getting – uh, their win rate was suppressed a little bit by so many other things in the meta, like the top dogs being really good. And then you yeah. also have like the people that are just hard married to certain suboptimal list choices or just they just don't play that much, you know. And so even though they have access to a lot of good units, they just didn't optimize their list or they just don't know how to play the list optimally or they're just they really just painted up that that new Gilliman. And even though they don't have anything that Gilliman really like synergizes with, they're still going to run them no matter what, you know, like that sort of thing. Just all, just all sorts of stuff like that, you know. But like I've, we have a local guy who's been playing Marines, and his every single one of his lists have been super mean and hyper efficient, um, shooting wise. And I'm a little bit scared of him pivoting into like mass two up save, high toughness armor contempt stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think I think Marines are definitely a dark horse for sure. So Gannon says only Redemptor. It's the ability for Redemptor. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Still, all three of the Redemptor chassis, I, I I like all three of them. Um, so I think there's if I even had Marines anymore, I would definitely be exploring that. Um also I would just give a shout out to Innis. Whatever Innis is doing, like just just copy and paste what he does and just runs that because that guy run that guy writes really good marine lists. Um I, I don't think I've ever seen him write a marine list I haven't liked. Uh, Grant H. Favorite food you had at Nova, and would you do Nova again? Uh, I've been to Nova three times. Um, don't know if I'll go next year. Um, it might I might just may be like every other year sort of thing. But like I said, it's a two hour flight from my house. Orlando is three hours to drive to. Tampa is four hours to drive to. Nova is two hours to fly. <laughs> or oh, sorry, no, Tampa is four hours to drive to. Orlando is three hours to drive to. Nova is two hours to fly to. So for me, it's a local yeah. event. Um. 
I know what it is every single year. The only downside is that because it falls on Labor Day, I I sacrifice um, holiday pay every time I go, mm. which that that kind of sucks. It's a big chunk of money. I get when I when I when I go into work on Labor Day, I get paid double. Oh so, wow! Yeah, so I'm burning leave, and my next paycheck is smaller <laughs> every time I go to Nova. So it's like, uh, but it's a really good event. Um, favorite food on a on a dish by dish basis, the um, that Thai place we went to was really good. I forgot the name. Um, but overall, uh, that I forget the name too. The there was a I think it was Zorba's by DuPont Circle. Uh, that place was really good. I like how they just kind of like you you find spots to like sit down or whatever. You can push tables together. They don't really give you any like stats oh, cool. over stuff like that. They hand you the menu, they bring you out some water or whatever. And then you just look at the menu, and then when you're ready, you go inside, and you just like order what you want. And they're like, "Cool, pay now." They hand you the number. You go back, and then like you're just talking with your friends. You're getting, like it. I bought like two pitchers of beer or whatever. It was like there was like twelve of us there, and then like mid conversation, all of a sudden like this, all this delicious like Greek food comes out. Um, so overall experience, I think I liked Zorba's the best, but that Thai food was was on the dish by dish basis. That that red curry I had was really good. Uh, next question. Dick, not a Dick Johnson. Why are there so many dicks? <laughs> Slash Richards tuning into X1. I, I don't know, Dick, not a Dick Johnson. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> is that is that your real Just name? A, Dick, certain age. Dick Johnson. Man of a certain age. Be okay. named Richard. Is that, is that what's going on? I just, Yeah. I just like how his last name is also Johnson. We're getting real, we're getting real childish dick here. Johnson. But parentheses, not a dick. Um, and Dan F comes, comes in and says, because the podcast is all about BBT and BDE. Uh, I will leave the viewers to go. I'll leave. I'll let the viewers look up. BBT is big boy time. The other one you guys look up. Uh, from Frank. Uh First off, it was great. It was great getting a chance to meet you in real life and chat a bit. Uh, Cliff, bummed you couldn't make it, but looking forward to when we get the yeah. chance. I man, I managed to go five three at Nova, doing way better than I thought. All things considered, my next GT is in a few weeks. I want to go in feeling confident. I'll have a great performance, but not cocky. Have you guys? How have you guys taken one positive event performance and carried that into your next one without letting go of your heads? Um, oh, I don't really. I guess the best thing you like. The best way, honestly, is just play a lot of events. The more games and the more events you play, the less each individual event and each individual game will mean to you. So when you start getting up into like hundreds of practice games, that that bad feeling you get when you lose a practice game, like that goes away. Mm -hmm. When you play lots and lots of events, um, if you slightly if you slightly overperform or you slightly underperform, like it just means less, you know, like unless you win, obviously if you win, you're like, Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, but yeah, if you just go, you know, five and three versus like six and two or versus like four and four, if that's like your fifth multi-day round event that year, it's kind of like, whatever. Um, me personally, I just, I kind of disassociated from this event super hard because we, it was like the world's worst kept secret that the balance pass was coming out literally the next week. <laughs> so we're we already knew that we were we were yesterday's yeah. news. 
like while we were there playing it. So it's kind of like none of this matters. Um, so it's really all all mental and mindset, and that's going to be different for every single person. But my advice would be like you're already halfway there because you're self-aware of it. The next step is going to just be keep playing games, keep playing events. Um, like your performance a week or two ago has no bearing at all on your new one, like positive record, like medium record, like negative record. Like that's how, that's actually like a really terrible gauge of like where you're at as a player because the player feel is different. The meta is different. The terrain is different. Um, the food you ate is different, you know, like maybe you're in better shape, maybe you're in worse shape, you know, like fatigue setting in how many rounds it is like, there's so many different variables that are now, now different, especially with the balance pass that an eight to three at Nova doesn't convert over to a GT coming up in a week or two. Um, so just keep that in mind, uh, and then just keep playing games. And like you said, the more games and the more events you do, the more you'll be able to disassociate from like a, a good performance or a bad performance. And it's just. It's just like, I don't know, a little bit of like a mental thing. Cliff, what do you think? Um, I think I, I sort of come at it as like a respect for all the opponents I play. And like, I got a sort of microcosm of that at LVO. LVO for the record is like you know, the, the biggest event I had ever been to and like an RTT hero. And like, so like game one, it's the like T-Suns flamers list. I'm like, cool. I brought my Castellan and some Knights. This should be great. And like tied. I was like, all right, great. That was cool. I like played really hard and here we are. And then um, ran into, um, <laughs> then I think I ran into O&B, shout out Owen uh, from the Discord, his Blood Angels and got like stomped. Uh, and then ran into Double Hecaton, Leagues of Votan and like won that pretty handily. So it was like this weird up and down um, experience of being like, oh cool, I'm running into things that the meta says are very challenging and I'm like sort of memeing with the Castellan here, but like doing well into the meta stuff and then also like getting rocked by things that are a little bit off. Um, like I lost to, there's, you know, the meme of the um, casual Warhammer 40k player who's like got a story for all of his models and nameplates and they're lovingly hobbied and all that stuff. And like I played a dude who had that Dark Angels list with a bunch of Terminators, and it was, like, so, so well hobbied and so beautiful. The guy was a pleasure to play, and he, like, tabled me in three turns. Um, you just, you know, you, you got to go into every game with respect for your opponent, regardless of where you are and where you're coming from. Um, and I think that also prevents you from sort of, like, losing accidentally by not taking <laughs> the game in front of you seriously enough. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a good perspective to put on it. Um I, I I just treat everyone. Um, part of it is respect, but also part of it is like, you know, like there's like old Marine at age, like have a plan to kill everyone you meet. And it's not like obviously not literally, <laughs> that, but it's kind of like that's the mindset. Like when I go to a event, that's the mindset that I turn on. It's just kind of like I'm not going to like stop treating you like a threat or stop taking you seriously until like your army is like literally like yeah, life until it's over. Forward. And not moving, and not moving anymore, you know. And also, I've seen enough movies where, like, like the, the the happy music starts playing, you know, the the protagonist hug and everything, and then like the bad guy, like all of a sudden, like gets up, and, like has the pistol, and like, oh, you know, like so, like 
you could like I've seen that like happen like at the very end of the game, like all of a sudden, like this one guy like double moves and does all this kind of like, what? And next you know, next thing you're like, oh, you lose by one point. You're like, Fuck, you know, so yeah, don't 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 turn it off until you know the score is in. Um, you don't you don't want to just like throw for no reason like that. Uh, I've actually clicked over to a different Discord. Here we are. Okay. <laughs> Um, from Nick, from Nikki D, who I also met at Nova, uh, was good meeting you, Nikki D. Uh, how does the NIDS Codex have you feeling about the direction of Codexes in 10th edition? Um, two part answer one, good. I like the layout, I like how I like how it looks like all the everything was roughly equal power. Mm -hmm. Um, even though the general initial consensus was that. Five of the detachments are roughly equal power, and then Crusher is kind of kind of crap. Yeah, I'm. I was actually revisiting Crusher today, and I'm going with side tangent. I was revisiting Crusher, and I was kind of like, "This is something I think I'm still going to throw on the table and test mm. because um, the plus one to hit, plus one to wound when you're wounded, it's not great because you can't just like turn it on, but." As the game kind of starts like like winding down, like bottom of turn three, turn four, turn five, and you just have a lot of stuff that just has like chip damage on it. Like now you start getting that plus one to wound. Um, you're not really you don't really degrade, you know, and like when you do degrade, all you get is minus one to hit. But then like when you degrade enough, you know, but your opponent starts running out of steam, well, now you erase the degradation with plus one to hit. And now you're getting plus one to wound. And generally in the mid book, I'm seeing a, a real lack of like strength 10 and above. Yeah. So I think having like, as the game kind of like, the damage of the game has gone down generically over the like, over the course of the data slate. So I think there is a very real board state where you're going to have a bunch of wounded monsters running around who are now plus one to wound, but your opponent is like starting to run out of abilities to actually like finish them off and kill them. Um I also looked through the enhancements and like I think like one or two of the enhancements look pretty good. There was one where you just get to like I think like reroll hits and wounds versus like monsters and vehicles. I'm like, okay, with a on a hive tyrant with the gun, like that seems pretty good. Um there was another one where you just get plus three OC. I'm like, well, if you're doing monster mash, you're gonna have like less units. So having like having oh, yeah. a hive tyrant or whatever have like a little bit extra of OC, like I like that. Um I was looking through the strats, there was um a nerfed version of breaking through where it's just you roll six dice and every four up is a mortal. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like out of out of phase mortals. I I generally like that. It's a great thing. Um, especially because you can do some like melee jank where like you shoot up a unit and then like now they have a like a multi like a three-wound model, like a terminator, and it has like one or two wounds left. You charge two units in, you do the mortal strat. He has to pull that wounded model. And so now you've successfully completed a charge, but you're not in engagement range. So you fight with the other unit first, and then he's not eligible to interrupt because there's nothing to interrupt into. So he can't interrupt and fight on the other guy who's not in combat, you know? Like, as long as he's based or whatever. Like, he could interrupt and then pile into it, but as long as you base everything, you can. I'm sorry I'm going to be, like, way off the figure. Um yeah, it's janky, but like you can still do this in tenth edition. And then like now, now because because he's not in combat with our unit, he can't attack it. You know, if he can't pile into it, and then you activate that unit because that unit charged, you're eligible to pile in an attack. So anytime you can do like mortals on the charge, and you charge into a multi model unit that's wounded, 
like and you position it correctly that is still like a microplay that that's worked in eighth edition mm -hmm. that's worked i think in seventh edition it's worked in ninth edition you could still do that in tenth edition it's one of the few like melee jank things you could still do um i think i saw strats to reroll hits and wounds there's a strat where when they target you in the melee phase in the fight phase um they're minus one to hit they take a battle shock test if they fail they're also minus one to wound so I think there's a little bit more play there than like people were initially saying. Like, I gotta find time to play test it because obviously I'm working on CK and World Eaters. But I think I, I'm sorry, I I unapologetically like tiered big monsters. So I'm gonna try it because I do think I do think there is some play there. Um as far as the codex itself and the direction of the codex is, I think if every codex comes out like that, I'm excited. Yeah. I think I think inevitably, like they will get it wrong and they're they're gonna have a they're going to have a detachment in a book down the road and it's just going to do too much. Like it's just, it's just going to have, it's just going to have like a problem strat um, or it's going to have like an enhancement that interacts with a weird way with a model. And like this model's data sheet ability was fine, but now it interacts with this enhancement and it just creates this like unintended like thing. That's just a little too powerful or just works weird or something like that. Um, but if, if it's one of those things where like they can just isolate it and, Fix it, like that's fine. I am a little bit worried that I'm worried that the rest of the codexes that come on are going to be more powerful than the NID codex because the NID codex feels like they were cautious when they wrote yeah. it in the same way that the Necron and Death Guard codex felt in ninth edition. So I'm worried that that book is susceptible to getting like power crept out. You know, like the first person, like to steal a quote from John Lennon, it's like in a when everyone is has each other at gunpoint. The very first person to put his gun down, you know, like that maybe feels like the new book. That's also we'll sort of inevitable, right? Like they're just the power level books just goes up over the course of the edition as they get better at articulating like their vision, how much powerful they want to put into that. Like it, it becomes where the book is at. It feels yeah, very, it's going to get real. It feels very well. It feels very well. Yeah. Written. The internal balance is yeah. great. If that's um, the standard. That's where they keep yeah. it plus or minus a few, like. If you're looking at it purely yeah. in terms of win rate, plus or minus like three to four percentage points, like that'd be a great spot for the whole game. I think it's really cool. Uh, from Alex Toast, uh, that team Fortress 2 sniper. Yeah, it's, I've seen it. I think like it may not be from the Marines, it might be from like a movie. So it's, it's been around for a long time. Um, I just needed somewhere to attribute, attribute it real quick. But yeah, that's basically the mindset. Uh, for Nikki D, what is the best thing to do on a flight for multiple hours? Man, for me, like as soon as that plane pressurizes, I fall asleep. So, <laughs> Cliff, I'm gonna have to defer to you because I, I, I literally just go unconscious. I always fall asleep on planes. Uh, two options. Option one: there are some movies that you just like are not willing to put the time in yourself at home to watch, like, like airplane movies. That's a good spot. Like the new Avatar, did not have an interest in seeing that like on my TV at home. I'm just like I'll throw it on here, and it'll be. Great during a flight out to uh to California not too long ago. And then uh I just read, do a lot of reading. That's it. Good shout. Um from Nikki D, what is the best film slash TV big boy time character, e.g. Godzilla or King Kong? I gotta give it up for the OG King Kong, not King Kong, um Godzilla man. He's, he's fucking cool. Yeah, it's kind of um Especially like the newer stuff, like the, all the MonsterVerse movies. Oh, like he's badass. Um, the I watched that 
Shin Godzilla like the other day, oh, and that. it's like it's like a it's Japanese. Dub. I think it was a little bit overhyped, but it was still pretty cool. Um, he he like in that movie he like rapidly evolves like every like thirty minutes or whatever, and like so he becomes like he has like a different form. Oh, like like every single like scene that he's Jeez. in, his form is like now changed. You know, so that's kind of cool. But his first two forms, he just has like these googly eyes, and he looks so stupid. <laughs> Were they trying to like pay homage and, to the previous like iterations? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. He looked like he, bro. It looked like a kid's like toy or something like that. It looked so silly. It was just so ridiculous. Um, but once he was like, once he kind of like hit his final form, he actually did look scary. Um, I don't want to ruin it, but like at the very last scene of the movie, they they do a close up of his tail. And it's super unsettling. So, like, go watch the movie to find out what I'm talking about. Um, pause that screen if you have, like, that scene if you have to. Uh, it was, it, it definitely got like creepy, like, kind of like creepy near the end. But like, mm. the, it was, it was like, it felt like a, it was a little bit of a lower budget movie. Um, the dialogue was a little bit wooden. Um, like, I said, he had those googly eyes <laughs> for the first like, couple scenes, so he looked so stupid. But it was good, and I'm I'm also very excited about that Godzilla minus zero movie that comes out in December. Like that, that looks, looks sick. Um, as far as my favorite though, there is a I'm not a huge like like anime guy, but I'll watch some of them. Like if like if they've been recommended to me, like um, uh, Evangelion. Um, that was great. Uh, that was a really good one. And like if you're into like that kind of like kaiju robot stuff, yeah. that is a a good a good anime to watch. Um. But there was this one, it's called like Godzilla Monster Planet or Godzilla Planet of the Monsters, or whatever. And that one, Godzilla is like a thousand feet tall. He's huge. Um, and it's very well done. And the premise of it is basically it's like the year 20,000 or whatever. And like Godzilla is just causing so much death and destruction that humans are forced to like build spaceships and just leave it. <laughs> and they can't. And they can't, but the thing is, they can't find anywhere else yeah. habitable, so they have to go back. <laughs> and so now, they, so they have to go back, and, like, Godzilla in this one has, like, terraformed the planet, and, like, but, so, to just put it in perspective, Godzilla 2014, I think he's, like, 400 yeah, feet yeah. tall. This guy is, like, a thousand feet tall, and he looks it. It's that's amazing. Huge. I gotta watch that. That's, that's, that um, dope. Gotta watch it. You gotta, like, I watched the entire. I didn't. I couldn't find a dub when I watched it, but it, this was like six years ago, or whatever. I was just. I just put it on mute, and I just like. I got the vibes, and I just watched this guy like just literally just murking an entire planet of, of people. Um. So I was. I was totally like down for it, but I'm sure like dubs exist now, or whatever. Uh. I. I recommend that one. So that's that's my vote. What about you? Um. I'm not gonna reach too far back, but Unicron from the '80s Transformers movie is like the definition of big boy time. He was the biggest of boys and uh was voiced by orson welles so he takes he takes the cake for me as my number one unicron was the man okay yeah no no like uh the, man those old the old transformer stuff was man the, the, I, I had such high hopes for the movies and they just kind of went yeah. way off yeah. course uh yeah, I love those like super huge like transforms into stuff. The ones that are like the size of planets, whatever. I'm like, that's yeah, cool. That, I want more that, of that. Yeah, Unicron was like, he was that dude. Uh, from Mark M, if you were a dad hammer player jumping into the 10th after the last data slate, what would you do to get into fighting shit quickly? Um, well, if 
if money or, or borrow hammer is not an option, I would honestly just run like just run Eldar, you know, and like just get some reps mm-hmm. in, you know, straight up. But there's a lot of stuff that's like in the conversation for like kind of like top five army or whatever. I I definitely would say you want to play something that's a little bit like stronger and more competitive so that way you can focus on just getting like, you know, sharpening, sharpening up your chops, so to speak, and like getting back in the swing of it rather than like wrestling with like fighting with your army just to function, you know, because there's some armies like just at the bottom where like you have to run, you have to like have great meta knowledge and have a hyper optimized list. And then even then you're still, you're still kind of like your army's like fighting you. Um, like every step of the way, like, and you're, you're almost like fighting with your army just as much as you're fighting with your opponent. Welcome back, Cliff. <laughs> you love to see it. So close. Um, Cliff's computer hates StreamYard. We have not figured it out. We might actually, we've talked about behind the scenes, we might actually change uh, hosting services, just if nothing else, so we can, it's a side grade for us. It'll be an upgrade for Cliff, so it might be worth it. We just got to get around to doing it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that that's my recommendation. Uh, what do you th- what do you think, Cliff? No, I think that sounds right. Like, what are what are the the good competitors? Because there's like Eldar remains atop everybody else at the moment right now. But yeah, Eldar like, is the top, and then I'd I'd say CSM real Rick quick runs, on that. CSM Necrons for sure. Uh, Tau definitely. GS Marines. I think Marines. Marines. I think Marines are right there. Yeah, Marines are just generally good. To your point about like join the Marine subscription service, like. If you don't have Marines list or a Marine set of models, it's a good time to jump in now and like pick some up because they are they're pretty yeah. good. They're if you if, if you build a Marine list and it's like good stuff.exe, like take a brick of Deathwing Knights, take Ugh. some fire support in the form of like Lancers or like Redemptor <laughs> chassis dreads. Uh I really like a couple small units of plasma inceptors. Um yeah. I think and then I like I like running a one-to-one sp- I don't want to cut infiltrators. Altogether, because GSC are still out there, you don't want to get too greedy. But I think you can go incursor and then infiltrators because mm-hmm. the incursors, when you don't need the infiltrators, your incursors can still do that mission play stuff. But they also hand out plus one to hit, um, which is really nice. And then um, our local guy, he's he was on Hellblasters with a attached lieutenant for a while, and then he pivoted to Desolators. He's like, fine, you know, I got a GT coming up. I'll, I'll run Desolators. Yeah, these guys are insane. But he was already, he already knew from getting so many games to the Hellblasters that, like, he's like, if and when Desolators get hit, I'm going right back to Hellblasters. Because yeah. with the Lieutenant and Bolter Discipline, they have, they they advance and shoot because he put, spends the CP to put him into Devastator Doctrine again, like every single turn. So they advance and shoot. Um, they have Exploding Fives. They have uh, Lethal Hits on Fives. And then they reroll all hits and wounds because of those. And then when they overcharge and die, they shoot again yeah. with an exploding five and lethal hits fives with full rerolls. Like they're just their their range is only twenty four inches, but like they advance and shoot. He usually runs them into repulsors, so if he needs to, he can just like safely move them around and then disembark and advance shoot and everything. Like they, I think that's a really good unit. I also think that that unit, like probably if it doesn't kill a Necron warrior brick, it comes close. It sure as hell kills the shit out of everything else. Yeah. Um, but I think you could just, yeah, I think you could just run like goodstuff.exe, um, keep it real light on the characters and support pieces, and just try to 
build take as many as many units that have built-in rerolls as you can. So that way, if you split fire, you can have O's here, and then your other stuff can have like built-in rerolls, and then split fire elsewhere. Um, and then you have some stuff to push up upfield, like inceptors, incurs incursors, infiltrators, inceptors, and then deathly knights. And then you have all this hyper-efficient marine shooting to back it up. Uh, so yeah, that's what I would recommend. Um, run something in the top five, and then just get just get some reps in. Get marines, Adam. How do you counter activation locking? Uh, I mentioned it before, but having lots of activations <laughs> uh, that's that's the best way to do it. They're like, oh, well, you have to shoot this, this, this in this order. You're like, okay, sweet. I have with the fourteen war dog list. You're like, I have fourteen activations. Like, you know. What, 14 activations, but really uh, really like 40, 42 activations, because you can just split fire three ways mm -hmm. on, the, on almost every single dog. So that's that's really the best way. Um, when we were doing practice for WTC, I ran my CK list into uh, Lucas Troller's uh, orc list. Um, because we just kind of wanted I wanted to get some reps with the CK real quick. And he's like, Well, I haven't played this matchup. Let's let's play it. And I just ripped that list to shreds. And there was not a single list in the game that activation locks harder than that list. That was the list with six trucks and three big tracks, and then just just boys everywhere. And it was just being able to like constantly weave like thermal spear chain cannon, thermal spear chain cannon. Like, you know, it was kind of like Basically, the first, like, I would put, like, a Huntsman into a Huntsman into a truck and I would crack it open. And then a Brigand would then put the chain cannon into whatever spilled out, yeah. and it would put a thermal into the next truck, you know? And then it, as down. long as that was going to plan, you just cascade down. But, like, if you over or underkilled, that's fine, because you had so many activations where you didn't really, like, lose a step, you know? Um, and he just, he, like, he... In the, we had like a little feedback channel in the Team USA Discord where we post like results and thoughts and stuff like that. And he's like, "Yeah, this matchup is cursed. Do not play this <laughs> at all." Um. So yeah, that's just have lots of activations. Um, from Waze, what Nids detachments have you the most excited? Me personally, like I said, I I, I love Kaiju. I'm not trying to push Elo or ranking with with Nids. So I I'm gonna test out um I'm gonna test out Crusher just just to see if it's as bad as everyone says. You know, I'm like I'm like I do think there are scenarios and board states that people aren't thinking about where this can actually be decent. And I like so I like a lot of the strats that I'm seeing. Um but I haven't seen it all together with like on the table into meta armies yeah. with the with the missions we got going on. Um, haven't seen like what a full 2000 point list that I'm building. Like, this is just theoretical in my head, you know. Put on the table. Does does the theory that I think I have does that translate to the table? You know, like is it strictly worse than invasion and like um the uh the neuro detachment, you know, or even assimilation? Maybe, probably, yeah. but that's kind of like my little side thing. So I'm I'm excited about that just to test it as like a personal side project. I'm pretty hyped about the the Vanguard detachment, like. I think advanced and charge is just so powerful. Um, yeah. I love lectures. So, and there's also, I mean, the other thing about the the detachment is that like you don't. It's not as if, yeah, Unicron does rule. It's not as if you like don't need to like you can't take 
you can't go big boy time in a Vanguard detachment. Like it's not necessarily emphasizing the good stuff, but like fall back and charge with a whole bunch of giant monsters with like waves of little Ribleys tying stuff up so that you can get there is like a pretty cool, pretty cool concept. Um, yeah, there's like, I love the way that book's constructed. I think there's a lot of potential in it. Vanguard is like, seems sick. I'm very excited to see I think that people like over the next couple months we're just going to keep seeing new builds come out of that book. Yeah. So I'm very excited yeah. about that. I think I think that I think that one's going to get innovated on for a long time. Yep. Um from Luke G, what's a good way to approach list design for a newer tournament player? How much do you spend on mission play versus hammer units versus anvil units or is there a better way to think about list design? It's funny enough the we actually had a guy in Miami Dice that kind of asked this uh, with the marine list whatever. For me personally, like my general at least when I'm running more like kind of skew stuff, like if I'm building a skew list, my rule is no more than 10% um, dedicated to like mission playing stuff. Um, so that's 200 points because once you go more than that, you start diluting the main concept and you lose that critical mass that makes skew works. Cause skew only works if you hit the critical mass. That's just so oppressive that overpowers your weaknesses. Um, and if you start trying to like shore up your weaknesses, you really end up eating into your strengths. Uh, for more conventional lists, it really varies faction by faction. And even and even then it, it varies faction by faction as it exists in the rule set in like that snapshot of time. Um, so it's hard to say, but generally I tend to tell people, especially if you're newer, to lean more to damage units. Like that, err on the side of caution into like damage units, um, because war and like war games are you know distilled down. It's a battle of wills between two forces, and if you don't have a way to enforce your will by force on the other person, you're just hoping that like you can get away with what you're doing for long enough, like before they like. By the time the game ends. So if you don't have damage, but you have a lot of scoring, but they find a way to disrupt your scoring or they can like kill you and they're killing you faster than you expected, and you're not really reducing their their assets, you're like the firepower is going to feel like it's increasing every turn as they get closer, as they get more to optimal ranges, as they get more optimal angles, as they start pushing into you, as they start to like dividing up your army because they, they drive a spearhead like right through the middle, like the center of the board or something like that. And now your army's like split in half, that sort of thing. Um, so when you are lying, when you go heavier into scoring, you, a lot of times it only works if you have like a really good meta knowledge or if you're consistently the better player at the table, you know, but if they just bring a more violent list and they just are constantly disrupting you and they're getting on your side of the board, you don't really have like a plan B. You're just trying to score as fast as you can before you get tabled. Whereas if you brought nothing but killing power and you kill them, well, your damage dealing units can still stand on objectives and score. Your damage dealing units can still go do actions, you know, but you have you have the freedom to like, okay, well, I'm gonna kill or I'm gonna score, or I'm gonna do an action. But if you bring like too many mission play units, your only option is to play the mission. You don't have any other option. And if that stops working, you can't suddenly be, be a damage dealing unit. So definitely like have some mission playing stuff, like keep it like 10 or 15% because the game is called Warhammer. It's not called Scorehammer. You know what I mean? Like, yes, scoring is important, but if you just 
lean too much into that and your opponent just doesn't let you do that, like you're just going to lose. You're not going to have any kind of recourse. So I'm not sorry if that's not like a super solid answer, but like that's kind of the mindset that yeah, I have. Go, go be better at existing in space than the other guy, especially when you're first coming into it. Just not. And especially now when you're thinking about list building, when there aren't, there's not really a firm opportunity in that list, which is not bad. Everyone should do that. It saves a lot of time, um, especially when you're trying to like be as competitive as possible. It's yeah, you gotta go, you gotta go kill their stuff and disrupt their plans and like prevent your own plans from being disrupted. And you can't really do that if you don't have any offensive output. Yep. Um, when I when when you can netlist, what I always like to recommend to people, like especially if they're newer, take like a netlist, and then like literally subtract one like scoring unit from it and replace it with like one more damage unit or something like that, you know, and just give yourself that little bit of redundancy. Cause if you, like I said, scoring, scoring or shooting and killing units can still score. Scoring units can't always kill. So, and if your opponent is dead, they can't hold objectives mm -hmm. and they can't score. When I play my CK, I am very, or any army that does a lot of damage. I am, I try to close out units and reduce my opponent's units count as fast as possible because it reduces their options. Even good players will, will really struggle if they're losing units way faster than they expected. Really hyper, like hyper elite players. If you just kill 80% of like four different units, they'll still find a way to like outscore you. But if you're like just, you know, firmly and methodically like re removing units quickly and just like removing those options, they have less and less plays they can make every single turn. And that's where you can actually like start noticing that you're like your 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 losses, your big losses go to small losses, your close games or your ties go to small wins, your small wins start going to big wins when you start closing out units because they have less scoring opportunities. Um and those those small little wounded units, they also they tie stuff up, they move block, they scream, like you just don't want like little rounds four and five. No, you, you absolutely do not want those stuff running around. Uh, from Griggs slash Gregarios, at what point in a player's development does getting a coach make sense? Would you recommend a beginner to get a coach, or is this something better suited to more experienced players? Assuming you know your faction, how would you go about picking a coach? What carries more weight, overall success of the game, or success of the faction? Uh, okay, we're going to have to probably deconstruct this question a little bit. Yeah. I think, so a, a lot of it will depend on your local meta what you have access to. Like if you have access to a thriving meta where competitive is competitive gaming is like embraced and there's like one or two or multiple like local teams and you can kind of like get in on that or you can find a couple other people who want to improve and like you form your own team or something like that. You probably could hold off on getting coaching initially because you can kind of pick up like the general concepts through osmosis, you know, and playing other people like, okay, mission play uh pressure screening uh like you know that kind of stuff you know like listening to content like the 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 idea the concept of like what we're talking about with activation locking that's not something that's like in a book you can read anywhere but if you you know listen a little bit of content someone explains it you're kind of like okay that makes sense my opponent doesn't get to freely choose it messes with their target priority a little bit you know anytime you get to disrupt your opponent's plan it's always good you know and you can kind of like you can kind of just figure it out, netlist a little bit, be like, okay, well, I shoot my anti-tank at their vehicles, I shoot my anti-infantry at their infantry, 
I stand in objectives. I kill them off objectives. You can kind of like figure it out. Um, but that's accelerated when you have other competitive players around with you. Oh, doggy. Doggies! Um, if you're in more of like a rural area or if you're in an area that doesn't really have like a local scene or a local game store or something like that, um, it would be, it probably would be worth it if it's worth it to you to pay someone money to get better at a game that you're spending money on, you know, just doubling down your investment. It might be worth it to get a coach. And, but like the big thing that I've seen with coaches is, a lot of coaches, like they're, they don't have experience coaching or teaching from like other aspects of the life. Yeah. They're just good at Warhammer, and they're trying to like figure out how to like teach other people how to do that. But like, not all of them are necessarily good teachers. So just be aware of that because competitive forty k is still kind of like a little bit of its infancy. You are going to need to be to be able to articulate what you're looking for um, from your coaches because if you don't, they're just going to kind of give you like a little canned spiel. And a couple of canned questions, and then you're gonna reply, and then they're gonna be like, "Cool, awesome, you know, good luck or whatever." Here's a list, have fun, and then they're gonna go do like the the same thing with like six, seven, eight other coaches, and then they're gonna like get some test games in, then they're gonna go travel to that major that they've been thinking about all week, or they were probably thinking about on the phone call with you. But if you are like very good at articulating what you want, be like, "Hey, look, I'm starting out. Like, what are the fundamentals?" Like, what should I start with? You know, like, these are my options for models. These are my options for armies. Like, I'm I'm willing to spend $100 if my list needs tweaking or whatever. This is my model collection. But, like, that sort of stuff. Like, be – it's very much like you'll get out what you put into it, you know. And then try to put those – if they tell you to do something – Yes, it might be more tailored towards like their biases or their expectations, you know, but there is like lots of kernels of truth is stuff that has worked for them. And because, and if you're new, like listen to their advice, even if like you don't really get it or initially or whatever, and also like ask lots of questions, take lots of notes, whatever, and then play a game the best you can, like with someone competitive or whatever, and take lots of notes. And the next time you touch base with them, Every single thing they said that you saw immediate feedback on, tell them. Every single thing they said was like, okay, I tried to do what you did, and like it it didn't work out, or it felt bad, or like it caused like these knock-on effects, and I didn't like it, or it felt awkward, or just made the, the game like really complicated, whatever. Tell them that as well. Like get them to explain that to you. Yeah. Um, but there's not really like you can't find anywhere. I haven't seen anywhere that just has a list that says these are the core skills that every competitive 40k player needs. At least not like a well like Goonhammer, I think is kind of sometimes like kind of occasionally does an article on it, but mm-hmm. you can't really set clock by it. Um, but I think any good coach worth their salt, if you ask them to like label whatever the fundamentals of being a competitive player are, like they'll at least be able to give you that and that'll at least give you an initial roadmap to go towards. And that can cut that can probably like fast track you by like three to six months minimum. Yeah. And then I would say the next time to get a coach would be like the first time you, once you kind of like sort of know what you're doing and then you start plateauing, that's a great time to get a coach and to kind of help you like burst through that glass ceiling. Yeah. Um, because that's when you kind of get it. But then like, there's just like little small stuff that's outside your comfort zone. You're just not quite getting. There's, um, so I, I like I've coached teams. I've been coached often on teams. I've been coached as an executive. I've done, yeah, great point, Taos. Um, I'll come back to that in a second. 
and I, I do executive coaching now. And I think there's like two things that make for really good coaching um, and like learner relationship. One is the learner, like Tim was saying, being able to articulate at least a little bit about what they feel is missing. Like what, what are the results that they're not getting that they would like to get? Um, and then I think any good coach, and you should be able to evaluate this relatively quickly, is going to hear that. And then they're going to go into a sort of like evaluation process where they're trying to figure out, cool, given that you're not hitting the results you'd like to achieve, and, and these other things are the results you would like to achieve, let's figure out what it is about your approach, your style, your preparation, your thinking, da da da, da to like diagnose what exactly your areas of weakness are and where your areas of growth are and simultaneously figure out what your areas of strength are so we can like enhance those down the line once we bring all the rest of the stuff up to like a pretty good foundational level. Um, and if you're in an interaction with a coach where like that doesn't happen session one, like dip, like leave for sure. Um, and like, don't feel bad about it. Like they have growth to do on, on their side as like a coach and like you don't want to waste each other's time um, and you want to make sure you're like spending your time and your money appropriately to like get 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 to the uh, outcomes that you're looking for um on the other end and this is like so again be clear because it's like a pretty significant time investment because people who are experts charge a lot of money for the time appropriately so uh, and then two if you're like not down to spend that much money and you are down to spend like a little bit more time thinking about it to Tals's point which is up on the screen now um hit up competitive communities where you can find them. If they're not local, hit up online. The Stat Check Discord is a great place for this. Lots of really good players there. Um, lots of like general players who are in that three and two, four and one range. We're all just throwing ideas back and forth, especially in the last couple of weeks about like lists, things they're gonna try, what their rationale looks like. And, you know, just getting like lots of heads all talking about their approach to the game. Um, that's really good too. Just helps to think a lot about it. But yeah, for sure, be able to articulate what it is you're looking for, what's missing and then find a coach who's able to diagnose and evaluate what it is that you need effectively um, on an ongoing basis, but especially in that first session. Yep. Uh, reference to Alex's comment, um, probably the best, if you aren't doing actual coaching, the best bang for the buck uh, way you can make like leaps and bounds improvements is like, you know, obviously I'm going to plug our own Discord uh, stat check. You know, people, are, if you ask, if you ask, like, as long as it's not like a dead time, time zone wise, if you ask people, like, if you just put out a blanket ping for a game, like, people will take you up on it. Um, but also, like, we do vibe check leagues, I think, like, twice a year, like, every quarter or something like that. Uh, and those are usually spectated also. And I know it could be a little bit hard. You'd be like, it could be a little bit, it could be a little bit nerve wracking, especially if you're self conscious about your play to like have other people spectate you play. But if you're like, if you can get past that hurdle, and if you can like kind of like put it out there, like to people who are spectating, be like, hey guys, like I'm trying to improve. I'm here playing to improve, blah, blah, blah. Like, like obviously, like don't like don't take it easy on me. Like, let's play a competitive game, but like please like spectate and after the game, not during, because I'd be a little disrespectful to the opponent, stuff like that. But after the game, um, like could anyone like anyone provide me feedback because it helps a little bit when like you ask your opponent for feedback but you got to remember like he was focused on his own stuff and he's looking at it from like the second person viewpoint but if you have people spectating from like a third party viewpoint and they're like mostly they're they're unbiased or impartial you know because they're not playing against you or with you or whatever they can actually like kind of 
be like, hey, yeah, I like this, this, I think you should have done this, or I think you should have took this, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then like you start a discussion with like four or five people, you know, and then you immediately kind of like go and iterate off that. You can get some really like leaps and bounds improvement just by doing that. And that's what I would recommend. It's kind of almost like the same idea of having a team, but you're getting like immediate feedback, which is a big part of improvement. Like having that instant feedback loop versus like a feedback loop that's delayed by a couple hours, yep. or a couple weeks. You know, like if you're getting that instant feedback loop from several parties, like that is huge. So that's what I would recommend. Um, we're going to kind of speed round through the rest of these. Uh, from Marshall, does a horde style play have merit now that Devastating Wounds has been nerfed, or are some units like Vulture Aggressors too efficient into them for to be a serious meta threat? For sure. Um, it's our, it is our buzzword of the day, but activation locking, aka putting shit in transports. Um, hordes, yes, hordes could work, but I think. I don't think you could really like unless it's like Necron Warriors. I don't think you really run like big units of twenty way. whatever. No, like especially not with like blast or whatever, because like that blast is still really powerful. Um and if you have like blast plus rerolls plus sustained hits, like you are gonna get lit up. Um, so you really need to still do MSU, have ways to make stuff like untargetable, like lone ops, nurgle strat, stuff like that, have transports. So that way your opponent like has to go through like several like failure points to clear out like a unit or two units or whatever. Like they don't just get to lean into a big brick as hard as they can and you both just roll dice and see what happens. Like that is, like I said, if they have blast and rerolls and sustained hits, like you're going to get lights out real quick. But if you start, you know, you're in a transport, you're touching cover, you know, you're minus one to hit, you're minus one to wound, you know, like you're... The kill transport two units come out. There's a loan up behind it. Like now you can start kind of like really messing with the target priority. So yes, I think hordes can do well, but if they're built, they have to be built right. Mm -hmm. Uh what do you think, Cliff? No, I think that's dead on. Like, you know, don't go don't go three by twenty horbigons, go six by ten, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um yeah, and you still have to like you still have to like kind of play smart, you know, whatever. Like I'm not assuming everyone would, you know, like don't just deploy your horde like on the line and you hope and be like ha ha you know like then your opponent's like okay um you know but but like make them make them work for those angles a little bit be disruptive that kind of stuff uh from Rickard uh that's not a question so I'm skipping that uh Nick is trying to troll so we'll go we'll leave that question at the end uh also troll question this is really helping here so I can speed run these things uh, from Richard, what are the kinds of math you should know about your army, and are there any resources to help you practice ahead of time to work things out mid-game? Uh, what are some good things to ask your opponent about his army as you're setting up? Uh, so the second half of the first question, like, once you get comfortable, like, with your army and playing on a clock, I've done this before, like, don't be afraid to, like, just ask your opponent to tap the clock over to you and, like, you know, be like, be like, hey, I need some time to think if I'm going to use this stratagem because it's my time to declare you know, and, but I'm going to, I need some time to think about it, put it on my time, you know, and then bust out your, bust out your phone and do the calculator and see if it's really worth popping that minus one to hit, see if it's really worth popping that, that like feel the pain, see if it's like really going to save your unit be like, okay, well, if I don't pop any defensive strats at all, if I don't pop any defensive strats at all, you do 12 wounds to my war dog. If I don't pop any defensive strats at all, you kill five 
uh, incursors on the nose and be like, okay, you're doing the math. You're like, so the math says he kills him on the nose. Be like, okay, well, yes, now I'm minus one to hit. Or yes, now I'm going to use a feel no pain, that kind of stuff. So defensive math or like mid-game stuff, like you can do that. Just put it, have them put it on your time. Bust out your calculator. Just do the do the calculations real quick. Uh, as long as you know your percentages, like 17%, 33%, um, 50%, 83%, like that's your percentages for the dice rolls. You can very quickly just take a number and then like do the percentages real quick. Um, ping me in the Discord if you need help, like how to do that. But, like most people are pretty experienced in that. And if you don't know how to do it, they'll, like they'll guide you how to do like quick math, that kind of stuff with, with uh, cumulative yeah. probability. There's a website uh, as far as URL, I forget now that'll give you the probabilistic distributions for outcomes when you like put in a weapon profile into a toughness profile. And you don't need to memorize all of them. Unit crunch? Yeah, unit crunch. But you don't need to memorize all of them. But it's like yeah. killing a guardsman in cover, killing a marine it's in cover, killing a vehicle in cover, like that kind of thing. It's like, nice to have yeah it's very unit crush is cool i see a lot of people like kind of put it out there but it's like i don't know about i can't speak for other people but like it doesn't help me out in game at all because like i'm not going to remember a parabolic curve like in the middle of a game you know like especially when we taking casualties or stuff like that like this is just not going to happen um but you should generally if you're building a list you should know what the meta armies you are playing to face and you should also know like what units those meta armies are comprised of, you know. So like it's kind of like, hey, if I'm running the Space Marines, I think I'm gonna be, I think I'm gonna be shooting into Gladiator Lancers. I think I'm gonna be shooting into um, Dreadnoughts. I think I'm gonna be, sh- <laughs> I think yeah, I, I think I'm gonna be shooting into Deathwing Knights, which are on a whole different level <laughs> than a typical. Excuse me, than a typical. You have Terminator bodies and then you have Deathwing Knights, yep. you know. So. You need to think about like, well, what general profile am I shooting into? Is this unit shooting into chaff? Is this shooting shooting into vehicles? Is this shooting shooting into Terminator equivalents? That kind of stuff. And you need to generally like those are that's the math you need to do, like those generic things. Like, for example, like I kind of after like multiple reps, multiple games, I figured out that on average, um, one War Dog Havoc launcher will kill one Cultist equivalent. So when I run Wardog spam, I try to put 10 Havoc launchers in every list because it's, you know, granted, I'm I'm not going to go, like, make a huge list change to get an 11th one, you know, if it makes my list weird. But, okay, if I have 10 Havoc launchers, I should, in theory, be able to wipe a Coltis unit off the yeah. backfield. And that's kind of like my metric. I'm like, okay, boom, that is what I need. That's what I'm aiming for, you know. Um, vehicles, let's say, like, I could get lucky, but I'm assuming like four thermal spheres uh, to kill a vehicle, like that sort of thing. Um, for like Terminator bricks, Custodes bricks, Deathwing Knights, I literally just put all hands on de- on deck, pop exploding sixes, and I just pray, you know, because that's just is what it is. But if you have a unit that's like there specifically to deal with Terminators or specifically to deal with like Marine body equivalents or specifically to deal with like Necron Warriors, like this is in here to deal with Necron Warriors, you need to know that math. Um, you don't need to know everything in the game. You just kind of need to know on average, yeah. like what it is. A good sort of rule of thumb for sort of catching, keeping your expectations as reliable as possible is like once you know the average, cut that average in half, and you're like, that's where you know that like somewhere between seventy-five and ninety percent of the time you'll achieve that outcome, um, and know that like when you when you need to make sort of conservative estimates about what you expect to happen, that's a good rule of thumb. 
Uh, the second half of Richard's question is, uh, what are some questions uh, that you should ask your opponent about his army as you're setting up? For me, any kind of like out of phase stuff yeah. that happens. Like, um, if like like for example, if you didn't if you didn't realize, if you didn't know that Phantasm was a stratagem that exists in game, <laughs> you need to Jeez. you need to ask the sort. You need. I'm just saying, like for, that's a great example. Yeah. If you don't know that that strat exists, you need to ask the sort of questions that would cause a player to tell you about the Phantasm stratagem without you naming it yeah. by name. Like, do you have any way to move out of phase, or do you have any way to move after I'm done moving, or do you have any way to move like on my turn? That sort of thing, you know. So, like, without knowing the name of the stratagem, without knowing the Eldar book. You should be able to ask every single opponent, regardless of what army they have, a, a questions in such a way where when you hit that Eldar player and you ask that question, they say, yes, I have a stratagem at the end of the movement phase. I can pick a unit. I can move it seven inches. You know, questions like that. Stuff where, like, your opponent, like, there's a lot of stratagems that would let people, like, heroically intervene. You know, now it's just a stratagem that everyone uses, like, when a charge happens nearby and then they do it. But in... 8th edition, ninth edition, her convention was three inches generically, you know. Um, but the difference between a three-inch horror convention and a six-inch horror convention at the time was huge because pylons and consolidates were three inches. So there was, if someone had a six-inch horror convention and you were trying to charge a unit nearby, it was very often to engineer a situation where it was literally impossible to get away from the character that could heroically intervene six inches. Because you charge and then you pile on three, they heroic six, you just can't avoid it. And if that guy like was a space wolf with like armor or rust or whatever, that unit that he was near was now functionally unchargeable. But if you don't know that exists, you know, like if you're not up to date on the meta or you're not up to date on like space wolves or your new player, like that is like a turbo feels bad if you don't know about it. Um, most players will just, I think it's such a well-known thing for space wolves. Most people just assume you know about it, but like you need to know. It was just such a universal thing that you would ask, like, hey, do you have a way to heroic intervene um, further than three inches? Or do you have a way to heroic intervene with a unit that's not a character? You know, um, another good one, like most, I think most of the best questions are like mobility yeah. ones. Do you have a way to, do you have a way to move outside your movement phase? Do you have a way to move my turn? Do you have a way to move twice? Do you have a way to move after shooting? You know, like all that kind of stuff. That's, Everything else is kind of like, okay, yes, this stratagem makes my my shooting unit shoot harder. This unit makes my fighting unit fight harder. This unit makes my durable unit more durable. Mm -hmm. Like, great, congrats, whatever. So it shouldn't really change your game plan yeah. too much. But stuff like this unit make this strap makes my unit untargetable. You can't yeah. like you just no matter what, like you set up your entire army to shoot it, and now your army cannot shoot it. Pick a guy, make like, you need to know about pick that. A loan out guy. You need to know about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, no, like you stuff that just straight up like forces your hand like that, you need to know about that. Where it's just like very binary, like it's not you're you're gonna do what you're gonna do anyhow, but now it's harder. It's just like you're you can't like your entire game, like you've brick your turn is now bricked. You have bricked your turn, you know. It's kind of like oh, hope the clapback isn't too bad, you know. Like so anything like that where it's just like if you get surprised by it, your entire turn is ruined. Like, I know it's easy a little experience to get there, but that's stuff you need to ask about. So stuff that makes stuff untargetable, stuff that makes stuff like move out of phase. Um, 
stuff a little more exotic, but stuff like Wraith Guard, you know, where they shoot out of phase. Every time you sh attack them, they shoot you. Not, not Overwatch, they shoot you. And, like, they will, like, 10, 10 Wraith Guard will easily kill, like, two, like, Ward yeah, on Cliff Guard, you know? Like, that stuff, you, you, need to know, you need to know about that kind of stuff. Um, so, basically, like, just out of phase stuff and then stuff that, like, turns people, like, invisible or stuff like that. Um, and then, like, stuff like teleporting, like, reposition type stuff. So, like, if you play into Grey Knights and you're not familiar with them, you literally just, like, ask them to walk through your, the, like, through all the rules head to toe. Because if you don't know what Grey Knights do and you go into the blind, you're going to, you're, you're in for, you're in for a show. Um, stuff like Necrons, the Veil, you know, like, that's, that's a enhancement relic that they've had for a long, long, long time. But if you're a new player, you may not know about it. But, like, that's a good one to know. They basically just pick stuff up and move it. Same with like Thousand Suns, like Umbralific Crystal or Dark Mana Crystal, or whatever it's called nowadays. Same thing. Um, so out of phase stuff, teleports, invisibility, like those are the main ones, I think. Got anything to add to that one, Cliff? I missed no, that was it. Ask them if they have any movement that isn't happening in their own movement phase, and then ask them if they have anything that they can do in response to your actions on the board, and they they should be able to cover it. And then, like, you know. Not yeah. people aren't perfect. If they forget something, they're probably not trying to get you on a gotcha. It's just like there's a lot of new rules, and we're all trying to make a way through it. So like, feel free to continue asking when, you, especially when you're about to do something that you think is a really good idea and potentially like case the game. You're like, hey, do you have a way to avoid insert thing that you're trying to do? Um, yeah, <laughs> just to yeah. Say. yeah. If 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 you have like a nightmare scenario in your head, that's about like that like. You're like, hey, before I do this, right. like, you know, because you have no, it's my, it's my turn. You have no way to stop it. You know, like, full disclosure, do you have a way to like completely ruin my? Can game you make this guy load up uh, six inches instead of twelve? Like, in fact, I can. Like, cool. Let me not move my unit there. Yeah, Pizza Burger talks about the <laughs> sigil losing. Friends. I game eight. I was so tired. Game eight, Anova. I literally looked at that list. And I, I looked through it. And I and. Usually the first thing I do is I, I look through what's in the list. I look, and the app is great because the app, like I, this will change when the codexes come out and stuff starts getting like locked behind paywalls. But right now, like almost everything except for the tier in this book is free. I literally just like look up everything. Like I look up the data sheets. I look up the data sheet abilities. I'll be like, why is this unit in the list or whatever? And I even saw it. I saw the sigil. I'm like, oh yeah, that's good to know. I need to, I need to put just enough for like stuff forward where he feels compelled to pop it because it's once per game, you know. But like not overcommit so much. We're like now my stuff's out of position, and I went first. And wouldn't you know it? Like turn turn two, you know, I loaded up five war dogs. I just completely forgot about it. And he was like, "Whoop!" And I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "Are you are you cool with that? Like like do you want to?" <laughs> He was he was really cool. He did he did offer me kind of like a I think he was kind of like starting to go down the route of like maybe possibly like like take back yeah. talk or stuff like that or whatever. But I was like I was like no nah, man I I read your list like like when the pairings went up I, I I looked through it I knew this was in your list I saw it. You also like gave up an objective yeah. so like there is like kind of like a you know a, con a consolation prize. He's like you. I'm like, dude, we we both know what you're doing. Like, you you earned it. I don't feel caught out. Like, I just I just straight up forgot. So, but yeah, that is definitely like a thing that you would want to know about. Just don't forget about it, like I did. <laughs> don't. Um, we are almost done with questions from Grant. How many forty millimeter bases can you fit in each other's mouth? Each other's. I like that twist. <laughs> each other's mouth. 
Well, I mean, like, are we are we hand feeding it, or is this like a Lady and the Tramp kind of thing happening? Because like, I think we do like Lady and the Tramp. I think like we both are like good sports about it, and like we get like half a base, and we both just like, be it. Yeah. Yeah. and so the, the count comes to zero. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Uh, I feel like I could probably get like eight to ten in there. Forties. Forties. Now I'm trying to figure out like what's the because I'm. Uh, Forties like forties like, like that, and you can stack them on top of each other. So it's kind of like when you when you like wood chipper, yeah, yeah. Windows, like that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, it's like I think then I think you go like oh, oh um, I do ten. I can do thinness. ten. I got a big head. Well, what's what's the most amount of thin mints you ever ate at once? Oh God, I don't even know. Like legit, I've just gone like handful into mouth. Like I don't. That's a good question. Well, because because a because a forty millimeter base is like almost exactly the same shape and size as a. Oh, oh, it might be more than ten then for me. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I think, I think we're like we're like both at ten with. Because I'm casually like, done like four at once as if it was a single cookie, just like. So. I could get twenty if I'm allowed to chew. <laughs> if I'm not allowed to chew, I think I think we're like at like fifteen. What are the characters? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, from J Bad slash JJ Tim, have you seen the movie In Bruges? Um, oh. Yes, I have. When it came out a long time ago, uh, I I was actually telling um, Cindy that I need to I need to rewatch it because now so that we've been good. there, I'm like more excited to go yeah. back. And be like, oh yeah, I've been there. I've seen that. I've been there. Beautiful city, by the way. Highly recommend. Uh, from Pizza Bagels, Frozen or Room Temperature Thin Mints. Uh, I, I like depends frozen. on the mood, but frozen most of the time. Yeah, frozen's so good. Frozen is so good, and then also because I live in South Florida, like uh, just having chocolate, having chocolate like come out of the freezer yeah. is just like so much better. I'm gonna, I'm going to. I don't have anything indecent now. I'm gonna. Where is it? It's present share screen. Uh, <laughs> there. Look at Love the indies. Open image. In, oh, that is beautiful. that. Like almost every single corner in Bruges, like looked like that. And let me see if I can do Bruges Cathedral. We are getting like way off base with the show, but I don't. I just don't care. These man, they have these like huge cathedrals. Let me see if I can. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And like this doesn't show how big it is. Like these things were like huge. Like these towers yeah. were like seriously look like they were like 300 you feet high. Sort of colossal. And they were like the foreground. Like these things are huge. Oh, they were they're huge. And like they're all like 900 plus years old. Yeah. It was just absolutely like wild. Um beautiful city. Highly recommend it. But out of everywhere in uh, Belgium, that was definitely my my favorite. Uh Wrapping up, that was the last question in the show questions. Let's go through chat. Too much panel. What? Too much panel lighting. I'm a crisis suits. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, oil wash. Background helps with that. It. Yeah, you're doing oil wash or take um, take a GW wash and and like use the uh, contrast medium or whatever. Like just thin it down super, super, super hard. Um. The biggest thing you're just trying to avoid pulling, like so you don't get those coffee stains or whatever. Uh, bah, 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 bah. 
some hype about the Rampager. Yeah, I'm hyped too, man. The Rampager 6 Carnivore. I'll, I'll put that I want Triple Rampager to be real because I have precisely three big Chaos Knights and six uh, Carnivore Wardog chassis, and I am ready for that. Well, so, so traditional wisdom is that like one big knight is worth three small ones, but right now the smallest... The cheapest small war dog is 140, but if you divide a rampager by three, it's 126. Yeah, yeah. So that thing is like at least so that thing is at least 40 points cheaper than yeah. it should be. And you can now hide it for the first time in like forever. So if there was ever a time to at least try it. And they've got access to uh, don't have to dodge their way around the terrain anymore because they've all got access to the ghost walking strats. Just great. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so three, like, seriously, like, three hours to talk about, like, Wayne Gretzky, Le- LeBron James, and Michael. Oh, yeah, Jordan. it's all people acknowledging that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. Our Discord is very clear about that. Uh, you know, we're stats-based. We care a lot. We care about reality and not nostalgia. So, yeah, you know. For sure. I, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I don't even know. I have, I have much love in my heart for MJ. I mean, that was, that was like, just an absolute yeah. era. But, I mean, like, I think someone nailed it, right? Like, when Mike, when Michael Jordan was like, was like the goat back in the day, like he got so many people that weren't excited about yeah, he was a cultural phenomenon, but I also, it's kind of like how much of that was, was marketing, you know, like, I think a lot of that oh, was marketing. Gatorade and Ike. Killing it. Yeah. Everyone, everyone to be like Mike. It's true. Nobody wants to be like LeBron because you can't because he's 6'8", 265. I can't be like LeBron. There's only one guy like that. Also, if you've like never seen that per- that guy in person, like he is so much bigger yeah. than he looks in like. In general, that's the case of basketball huge. players. Like, I, yeah, I went to a few games and it's just like, I'm like, I'm a pretty big, I'm like 6'4", 230. And like in my brain, having been around basketball people, I'm like, no, no I'm, I'm a normal size human. And like, those people are big. They're huge. Yeah. If you're on the lower half of like six foot. It's like, <laughs> all right. That is, that is yeah. all the questions. Yeah. Just double check. That was all the questions. Man, uh, great episode. Of course, we went long like always, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's how we do it. it was, what's the, what's the, What's a little bit of sleep deprivation once once a week, every yeah. other week? Um, Cliff, great show. It's always good to touch base with you. Uh, do you have anything you want to say, like close this out or anything? Uh, like not much aside from the you know general shilling. Hit us up in on Patreon, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash stat check. Hit us up on YouTube. We're at stat check. Hit us up on our website, stat-check.com. Um, we got coaching. We got other shows. We got this show. We got the main show. We got Enter the Matrix. That's becoming a bi-weekly situation, which is amazing for team play and general competitive innovation. Um, we got all the goods. So, yeah, come join us. Hit us up on Discord. Hit us up on Patreon. Like and subscribe our stuff. We love talking to y'all, hearing y'all, hearing from y'all. Trying to make things better. Uh, all you that uh, stayed up conscious live, we really do appreciate nope. it. Hopefully this new time slot is working for you. It's working great for us. Um both being dads and having stuff to Ooh. do. Um, it doesn't like, cut. it's great. It doesn't like cut my day at all. I, I don't mind staying up a little bit. Um, again, everyone that tunes in follows us on YouTube live um, podcast after the fact in the discord over. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate all the kind words and the feedback and uh, we will see you guys in two appreciate weeks. Appreciate y'all. Peace. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com. 
Thank you.